Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Our producer, Harry, and I launched the first episode of the Writer Experience on May 14th, 2018, with the goal of providing a resource for learning writing from industry professionals. Now, almost two years to the day and 100 episodes later, we couldn't be happier to highlight some of their insights. So, to celebrate our 100th episode, we're proud to present you with words of wisdom from 100 different creative professionals. Today on the show, we've got Athena Finger. There is closure. I mean, that doesn't, just because we have closure doesn't mean that life stops. I mean, things continue to always change. So, the fight to get him credit is over, but that doesn't mean the fight's over. So many people out there that are in the same situation. There's so many other situations that are still being fought for. So, I mean, there's closure, yes, but, you know, it is what it is. Life goes on. Keep at it. Today, we've got Charles Pulliam Moore. Charles is a writer at io9 and Gizmodo, and he is a comic book aficionado. Writers are like, whatever. Like, I'm sure we can all be cliched at times, but no, yeah. writers are working for people. I'm sure, like, look to your left, look to your right. You probably looked at two writers just now. You have mm-hmm. writers in your family. Um, I think the idea of what it means to be, like, a writer has changed somewhat. Like, we are people who have a particular interest or passion for something um, that we have spun out into a career that lets us investigate and unpack, you know, those things that are tangentially related to that core interest in interesting and fascinating ways. And I think that that's ultimately what we are all kind of trying to do with our writing is to just like learn and share information. And then in order to really make whatever you read at that next level mean anything, you have to broaden, you know, you have to broaden the space in which you're really sort of thinking about the characters. Um, and so when I'm writing, oftentimes the first thing that I, like the thing that I'm doing in, you know, first 45 minutes to an hour is just like consuming more stuff, just like taking notes, like refamiliarizing myself with things, seeing if what I'm writing has been written already, right? Like that's the shit that not like we all live in fear of, but it happens. Today we've got news editor Steve Say from JoeBlow.com, also host of the Talking Comics podcast, also pancake enthusiast. Lord of the Snuggle, Canadian by proxy. For people that are looking to be writers and to write for websites and stuff like this, here's an al- also a little aside. I didn't get the gig um, two times. So like I submitted my This is idea. at Joe Blow or? Yeah, okay. yeah, this was at Joe Blow when I first, when I first pitched my animation, the Ink and Pixel column to them. And it was rejected. And they said, we like this, but we want to do this with it. Can you change it to be this? And so I had to send it back to them two times before finally on the third time, they were like, yeah, like this, this fits, you know, welcome aboard. Um, it's a biweekly spot if you want it. And so I took it and I wrote it for like five years. And then um, when the opportunity to came, came to move up, uh, I took it. You got to be open to criticism, whether it be for a podcast or whether it be writing professionally or anything like that. Like your 
writing for Joe Blow, like writing for yourself is one thing, and it's all just kept on your laptop, your computer. Maybe you've shared it with a friend, but you know, every time that you post one of these articles, it's going out to the world. You know, and and regardless of your of your viewership, which you know, Joe Blow has been around for twenty years. Like it's the the reach is vast. So when you're in this position to share this stuff, like you got to make sure that you're on point. Today, I'm very excited to introduce a very special guest, Alan Dean Foster. Alan is an acclaimed writer of fantasy and science fiction. His works include Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which was the first Star Wars expanded universe novel, originally written to be filmed as a low-budget sequel to Star Wars if the original film uh, was not a success. He also wrote the story for Star Trek The Motion Picture and more than 20 standalone novels, including the Humanx Commonwealth novels, Ice Rigger Trilogy, and Spellsinger series. I think it really comes down to, to uh, discipline. If you tell yourself you're going to write one, what I tell students, beginning writers, who have trouble with it is I said, look, write one page a day. Just write one page a day. You'll be surprised how much more you might write. But don't worry about that. Write one page a day, even if it's junk. Once you finish page one, don't go back and worry about how bad paragraph three is on page one. Write page two. And then write page three, because you can always go back and fix page one and fix page two. The important thing is to get the words down on paper and get the story moving forward. Whether it's fiction or nonfiction or a poem or whatever, people will obsess over getting page one correct while they're working on page one, when it's much more important to get to page 10. But people, people worry. They say, well, this is no good. You know, I don't have any idea where I'm going with this. and I." I don't think this character is working. You can go back and fix any of that. That's what editors are for in motion pictures and television. And you can do that too. It's much more important to get from page one to the end of your story than it is to fix each page as you go along. And that's where a lot of people get bogged down. They'll get, let's say you get to, let's say you're writing a novel and you get to page 50, which is a fairly, fairly substantial way into your story. And you don't like the way the story's going, and you don't like this character or that character, just push on through to the end. You can always go back and fix it, even if you have to rewrite the whole thing. At least you'll have words in front of you. And if you can't bear putting down words on a computer or words on paper, get a little dictaphone, which they have wonderful ones now, and talk your story. And don't worry about the grammar, and don't worry about the punctuation, and don't worry about paragraphs. Just talk your story. I don't know how many people I've told this to, especially people working on nonfiction who are worried about continuity and chronology. So don't worry about all that. When you have an idea, when you have a thought, something you want to tell, talk it down, and then you can plug it into your computer these days, and it'll transcribe it for you. With, with the machines we have now, there's no excuse for procrastination. The other thing to remember is that your life hinges on very small decisions. I was not supposed to be a writer. I had never given any thought to being a professional writer. I was supposed to be a lawyer. And I went to UCLA on that basis and worked towards a degree, a bachelor's degree in political science. As preparation for going to law school, I was admitted to School of Law at USC and at Loyola. And I was down to choosing the two when almost on a whim, 
I thought, well, I'll apply to the graduate film school at UCLA, the writing program, see if I get in. My rationalization was, well, for the masters from UCLA, I'd probably get into any law school in the country because they know you can do postgraduate work. And if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't gotten in to the UCLA graduate film school, I would have gone to law school. I might still have written some things, but I doubt I would have written anywhere near as much as I've written. And I certainly wouldn't have had as much fun and would not have seen as much of the world as I have. You know, it would have been a good life, but it wouldn't have been nearly, nearly as good a life as the one that I've been fortunate enough to have. So find something you like to do and uh, don't be afraid to make changes in life if, uh, if something comes along and tempts you. Today, we've got another special guest, Chris Arendt, editor at Newsarama, formerly Life, Marvel, MTV. For people that go to conventions, uh, once they go to enough, they'll realize that all the real networking and like community bonding between comics creators and publishers takes place at the hotel bar like right after the convention ends. There's all sorts of meetings. Like You'll see people that you'd be surprised are talking to one another, like having dinner. Like, like you'll see Marvel people talking to DC people. You'll see, I don't know, just uh, creators you wouldn't expect like uh, mingling together. Like It's also like a good chance just to meet people who you normally wouldn't meet and get to have honest kind of conversations with them where they're, they're not um, kind of working on the convention floor. Because when they're on the convention floor, that's... That's their job. They're basically selling books or doing it as a kind of marketing for you to buy their product that's on show. So getting to the bar and just mingling and networking, it's like an off-the-clock thing, but it's a real good way to network. Kind of working online doesn't really fulfill that. Today on the Writer Experience Podcast, we've got Jermaine Lucier. Jermaine is an entertainment reporter for Gizmodo and io9 and formerly Slash Film. I always thought, like, you know, if you can get your foot in the door, if as long as you don't, as long as people aren't taking advantage of you, writing at all and getting people to read it is a good thing. So I, uh, I would always say, you know, if you can get people, if you can write and get people to read it, whether you're getting paid or not, that's pretty good payment. Um, obviously, you want to get paid, you want to get some kind of uh, incentive. So I wouldn't advocate doing it for too long. But as a way to gain experience, I tell people that I think it's a good thing. Uh, and I'm definitely in the minority of that but I think it's because I'm a product uh, that proved that it works. Today on the show, we've got Michael Kogi, screenwriter, author, provocateur, Jedi challenges game writer, The Last Jedi, TFA, Batman, Fantastic Beast, Empire of the Wolf books. It's little little right places at little right times. It's it's it's, it's not, more uh, just based on work and time. Yeah, it's just ba- it's based on work and it's based on okay, you do this work, you're invited to this this event. At this event, you meet this person because you had done this work, and that person comes back to you months later with a request. Okay, then you work on that project and that gets you somewhere else. You meet somebody else, someone new, and then you start you start going on on that journey. And not all these these things are a lot of these things are dead ends. So as a writer too, you, and you see this with a lot of writers, you can end up nowhere, you know? It's all it's over. You end up at a dead end. Totally. So your, your, your job as a writer is to keep finding uh, the path to keep moving uh, because there's so many people who want to do what you want to do, right? And everybody's chomping at the bit to, to get there. And how much energy do you have to, 
to to keep going because it take it does take a lot of energy. Today we've got another very special guest, Mark Bernardin, writer of Things That Go Boom, co-host of Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman, Castle Rock writer, occasional journalist, dazzling urbanite, lightweight, famous. Momentum is everything, in as much as you know the thing you can control is the work that you do, but whether anybody's willing to look at it is out of your hands. And you know, for me, I think that the secret sauce to that is momentum. Is you know building quickly, rapidly on one thing to the next thing to the next thing. So in this whole pursuit and dream of continuing to do television, um, it's all about the next thing. Yeah. So and fingers crossed, there are some good next things on the horizon. Today we've got Jim Zub. Jim is a writer of comics, Avengers, Dungeons and Dragons, Champions, Figment, Samurai Jack, and Wayward, among many others. Yeah, I always get people ask about writer's block or right. you know, whatever. I don't have like some killer payoff for that. You know, like I tend to as much as possible try and like write my way out of it. Like just getting material down is always better than than not. Even if you think it's crap, even if you think it's uh not ready yet, having something there you can look at that you can, you know, plant a flag in the ground, even if it's in the wrong spot, at least you can measure against it and sort of go, oh, this isn't right at all. But now I know that this isn't working. I can go in another direction. I can, I've got this out of my head mm-hmm. and I can, you know, take another stab at it or come at it from a different angle. I think that, you know, when I hear about people that they just stop completely and they walk away from something, I'm like, well, there are times when you want to let the stuff sort of gestate and, and, you know, marinate for a bit before you take another stab at it. But if you just leave it completely, you're not going to make any progress. Today's guest is Ed Brisson. Ed is a Marvel exclusive writer, best known for Iron Fist, Old Man Logan, Extermination. The list of his works goes on. So 2013, March 2013, I was at a show called C2E2 in Chicago, which is a comic book convention. And I had had print copies of murder books that I brought along with me. And being in Canada and doing a show in the U.S., I try never to bring books back with me. So I was trying to bring as much of it I can just sell at the store, at the show. And at, at the very end of the show, I had like three issues of murder book left, issue one, two, and three. And I was just packing up my table, and there was a woman walking by, and I just said, hey, you know, I'm going back to Canada. I want to bring these with me. Do you want some free comic books? And she, she said, yeah, she took them. You know, I didn't think anything of it until about two months later, she emailed me, and I didn't know when I handed her the books that this woman was an editor for Marvel. Whoa, that's crazy. And so she had bought them back, read them, liked them and then offered me like a two issue fill in on a book called secret avengers going to cons is definitely a good thing like get out to cons uh i know like this is gonna sound sort of dickish and and it's not meant to but uh right now there is a con in every city you know every weekend i would if you're trying to get into comics i would focus on going only to sort of the bigger shows which would be like c2e2 uh, New York Comic Con, Emerald City, those like those are kind of like the three big ones. Like San Diego is the big show that everyone knows about, but it's so easy to get lost in the noise there. Even when I go there, I don't even see half the people I'm supposed to see. So like, it's really I, I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend San Diego for someone trying to break in, but New York, uh, Emerald City, and um, 
and C2E2 are good just to go sort of shop around and meet other creators. Today's guest is Mike Zagari. Mike is a highly experienced creative executive focusing on leadership and motivation of creative teams, studios, and individual development, and is currently uh, an executive director at AMC Networks. Write what you're passionate about. Um, you don't necessarily, this is where different, you don't necessarily need to be the target audience in what you're writing, but you need to be passionate about it, and you need to respect your, your, your audience and, and kind of pick up that passion and put it into you know, what, what you're actually doing. People, when, whoever reads it or watches whatever you write, um, they, they will know immediately whether you're really passionate about it. Uh, it's really going to shine through. So that's, that's sort of the key crux, and it's been what's the crux for my entire career. Today's guest is Christopher Webster. Christopher is the head writer and co-founder of StoryFix Media, a contributor for Screen Anarchy, Bloody Disgusting, and Quiet Earth, the author of the book New Horizons, and a writer of the TV series Dark Web. I remember listening to a podcast with Joe Hill, uh, Stephen King's son, and you know, he basically said said it that like you know if you're going to be a novelist, like you need to be um, aware that you are competing with YouTube and you know um, Netflix and and all the entertainment that anyone could ever want. So you have to write readable books, books that people want to turn the page. You need to, like every page needs to be interesting enough that someone wants to turn it. Otherwise, they're just going to go watch whatever, you know, they're, or they're going to read a comic or they're going to do something else. You know, novels have a, have a, uh, a hard road in this uh, new media age, right? So, you know, I took that to heart for sure. And so writing mystery, I mean, it really is, doling out information in such a way that people feel satisfied that they're getting uh, the information that they, that they want and, and the reveals that, that, that are intriguing and satisfying, but that, and certainly this, this is the, how they managed it and lost was every time they answered a question, it, it asked two more questions. And so the mysteries compounded until you, they sort of snowballed until the very end. And uh, so I, you know, that's really the strategy, I think. Today's guest is BJ Mendelssohn. BJ is a keynote speaker, an author, and a comic book writer. His books include Social Media is Bullshit from St. Martin's Press and Privacy and How We Can Get It Back from Curious Reads. Like I said, I've had the health issues all my life. I've had uh, the OCD all my life. So it's very easy for people to say, maybe you should try something within your, you know, within your reach. Um, but you know, I, you just you just go and you do it. I'm not I'm not saying the thing I say in the presentation is uh, I'm not if you if you think that you're a creative, you are a creative. Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to be the next LeBron James because you know that that's genetics and hours and hours and hours of dedication and hard work. But you could still take a shot at anything that you want and still come pretty close to hitting that target. Today's guest is Joseph Malazzi. Joseph is the showrunner for Dark Matter an executive producer and a writer. He also worked on Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe. It's easy to say, much harder to do, but really have confidence in yourself and your abilities. I mean, it, and, and I think it's, it's almost a subconscious psychological thing, but if you go in and you're not confident and you have that kind of air of desperation, there's kind of that sense of weakness that people will pick up on. But if you know your stuff, you know, if you know your show, if you feel confident, go in, pitch your heart out. And if they don't like it, don't take it personally. 
um, they're missing out. Uh, you know, just just go back home. You know, look over the pitch. If if you felt that you know you could have done something better the next time, kind of rehone your pitch and come back. But just you know, a lot of the industry is 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 really a having confidence in your ability and b just being able to to really you know stick it out. Just you know, it, kind of that that fortitude of, of you know to to you know not give up no matter how uh, desperate the times may seem. Today's guest is Rosie Knight. Rosie is a writer who covers comic books, film, TV, and pop culture for Nerdist. Women write about comics and slash film. She also writes comics. Uh, Her most recent stories can be found in Fever Coast in the series Cougar and Cub. Rosie is also a lapse poet and also has spoken about her perspectives as both a critic and a creator on panels at conventions, including SDCC, NYCC, WonderCon, and LA Comic-Con. It sounds very corny, but just like be true to like yourself and what you like. Like there's no one else who likes stuff in exactly the same way as you or who uh, loves and is passionate and has the knowledge base that you do. And if you stay true to that and you can be a critic and you can think about things objectively that you love and you can make things that you love as well, like you're very unique and you're, yeah, you're, you basically are an asset to wherever you work for. So just remembering that and not trying to like compromise what you want to write about or what you think interests people, because there'll definitely be something that you love that you know about that they don't have anyone else who knows about and loves that thing in the same way. Today's guest is Jason Inman. Jason is the writer of the comic Jupiter Jet, the showrunner's assistant on the code and host at geekhistorylesson.com. Be honest. I see too many Kickstarters. One is go look at Kickstarter. Look at other projects. And if you like the idea, if you like the setup or the layout of what how a project looks, steal it. Because we all steal from the best. There's that theory out there that there are only actually seven stories and we just all repeat them. So that's like basically stealing anyway. So if you see a comic book project out there that you or a comic book Kickstarter that you love, you love the design, you love the rewards, mimic it. Like take it because you're you're stealing from the you're stealing from the greats. Also, uh, the biggest mistake I see on Kickstarter is, and this goes really into being honest, is your funding amount. Be honest with your funding amount. If you are a person on Twitter who has less than a thousand followers. And let's say you don't have a YouTube channel. You don't really have a a really solid audience. You're just on Twitter to be on Twitter and you're having fun. And that's fine. You can totally be on Twitter. You can use Twitter however the hell you want to use it. But if you go to Kickstarter and your goal is (laughs) $200,000, well, I'm sorry, friend. You're never going to fund that campaign. And, And I hate to say it, but I see more campaigns like that than I do of people going on Kickstarter and being like, I just need $2,000. He thinks Kickstarter is the money, the ever-flowing money machine. And it's not. It's it's you going to a person. Imagine you're in a store somewhere. You see a random stranger. You tap that stranger on the shoulder and you say, hey, I got this book. Would you want to buy it? And they either say yes or no. That's basically the physical representation of Kickstarter. Today's guest is Jason Ward. Jason is the editor-in-chief for MakingStarWars.net a Star Wars blog uh, run by a group of Star Wars enthusiasts and friends uh, with the purpose of discussing Star Wars news uh, behind the scenes on both its website and its podcasts. Well, my number one advice would be to 
right for yourself. Because the times that I have had bad experiences and the times that I felt like um, ashamed of something that I wrote or whatever, I feel like I didn't do it for me. I feel like I did it for, for some other reason or for someone else or, you know, to make something else happy or whatever. And I feel like on the, on the other times I've gotten in trouble, but I did it for me, I, I, w- I could live with it, you know? There was no guilt and there was no shame and there was no, um, there was no reason to um, second guess myself other than that was my, that was my choice to, to, to make, you know? And I also think you should sell your legend, if you will, but like, don't believe it. You know what I mean? Like I get a lot of people who are really into the spoilers that I did and, and really like love it. I'm totally down to, to, to sell that idea of, yeah, man, that's what I do. Read my site. That, that's my thing. At the same time, like, I don't think I'm like the uh, James Bond of Star Wars. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but, you know, s- sell your, sell your legend, but don't believe it, I guess is the, the number one, like, advice. Today's guest is Mark London. Mark is CEO and writer of Mad Cave Studios, an independent comic book publisher for Miami, driven by madness to create uniquely compelling and diverse comics. Their comic books include Battle Cats, Midnight Task Force, and Knights of the Golden Sun. I would probably say get the right people on the team, people that see the world like you do, um, people that are going to help you uh, become better, um, that are going to understand exactly what they're doing. Because sometimes with, with this type of projects that is hard, that there's so many moving parts, if, if you don't have the, the, the right people, if you, if you don't get uh, in sync with, with all of them, uh, it's it's going to be very very difficult to actually make something out of it. So try to to really know the people that you're working with. Um, you have your bad days, you have your good days, sure. But you know when there's somebody on the team that, that really can can help you this uh, to the next level. And if people can try to identify earlier on, um, you're basically going to to strive um, earlier than not later. Today's guest is David Michael Latt. David is CEO of The Asylum, which is known as Hollywood's most prolific independent film studio. He's also the producer of the Sharknado films, 1 to 6, uh, Z Nation, Netflix's Black Summer, and as he describes in his Twitter bio, 250 other films you've never heard of. So I have a few pieces of advice to do what you want to do with, um, but it really is the lens of a genre filmmaker, a genre producer, which is if you're writing a genre film, uh, basically write your film to your traditional trio. Um, have people reread it and read it. Don't ever give them a first trap, even if they're, you know, if it's like, hey, my friend's a producer and they'll read it, like, I'm giving all these that. So you can make them gear on those things just to get an absolutely phenomenally tight, fantastic, with great characters, great action, great everything. It is the best, most Oscar worthy script ever. You have that script in your hand, you're finally done, take the first two acts and throw them in the trash. Because the genre script starts at act three. That's it. I mean, you know, you want to grab them when the monster's chasing them, when people are dying, <laughs> when the world's coming to an end, when the pressure is really tight in the beginning and gets really freaked out towards the end, when, you know, you can't, I mean, these are, you know, that's like the biggest 
Today's guest is Brandon Amon. Brandon is the head writer and executive producer of the new Star Wars animated television series, uh, Star Wars Resistance, as well as TMNT 2012. He's also a filmmaker and a Marvel writer known for Iron Man, Avengers, Spider-Man, and various Marvel DTVs. Don't give up. Like, don't. If this is what you really want, if you really want to do this, don't give up. Keep writing and writing and writing and writing. Like, I had, I had, like, before I even got anywhere, like, I had, like, 10 features that I had written, like, 10, and none of them even got optioned, like, until it was down the line. Then I started, like, you know, but I, for, for, for a few years, I sat, like, several years, I just sat on these scripts, and you have to write to entertain yourself. Like, for me, it was, like, I had to do it, like, and it was also a form of escape, and it was just, like, and I, and I just figured, hey, if nobody reads this, I'm reading it, and I'm learning, and I'm just enjoying it, like, like you, you have to do it for yourself first, you know, you, and, and that's how you learn. That's how you grow. And you just can't give up. Like you can't, if, if you feel like, um, oh, I don't know if this is for me or, um, you know, I'm getting frustrated. I don't want to do this anymore. It's just like, well, you've already picked your path. Like you've already, now you're on that path. You're on the path of saying, oh, I don't think it's going to work out for me. And I'm just going to eventually give up and I'm going to work for whatever job that I don't really want to work because I want to write. Like you've got to like, even if it takes you, like, if this is what you truly want, even if it takes you 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, I know it sounds like, oh, I don't want to, you know, but, you know, it, that, that's, that's what you have to do. Like, that's, you have to become obsessed with it so it becomes your life work, even if you're not getting money for it. If I wasn't getting paid, I would still be writing, like, and, and, and holding down, like, whatever job I could to make as much time as I could for writing. Today's guest is Matthew Southworth. Matthew is an artist, writer, and musician. Matthew has illustrated projects such as Stumptown, modern noir series written by Greg Rucka, Spider-Girl, Spider-Man, and Thunderbolts, all published by Marvel Comics, X-Files, published by IDW, and several stories for Dark Horse Comics, all of which he also wrote, among other things. For me, the most valuable things as a musician or as a graphic artist or as a writer any of that stuff is when I wrote something or drew something and I meant it. Um, the job and the pay that you get are not the goal. They're the, they're the almost, they're the byproduct of what you do. You're being paid to do something meaningful or not being paid to do something meaningful, whatever it is. So if you're not going to get paid, you might as well do something meaningful instead of bullshitting. And if you are getting paid, when you do do something meaningful, the people that read it will respond to it in such a way that you, you develop fans, you know, and the fans that you find, they become more like friends. So to put that in a simple, you know, one sentence form, I guess, is to say, like, do it like you mean it, because if you don't, you're wasting your life. Today's guest is Jonathan Lloyd Walker. Jonathan is a writer, producer, creator, and actor. Most recently, you can see him in the Hollywood features Red, The Thing, the hit Canadian TV series Continuum, and he'll be playing the role of Big John in TNT's Snowpiercer, a futuristic thriller based on the acclaimed 2013 movie by the same name. Jonathan is also the executive producer of Van Helsing and also the executive producer of Woo Assassins, which you can see on Netflix next summer. I think that you have to be incredibly driven and disciplined about continuing to push yourself 
and to learn and to grow and to take advantage of every opportunity that's given to you because no one ever gets handed this. It, you know, it's very rare to be in a situation where unearned, you're just given a great opportunity. Um, so much of acting is, you know, this is, sounds a bit cliche, but so much of acting an actor's job more often than not is, is trying to get work, not actually doing the work. So they spend so much time rehearsing. They spend so much time in scene study. They spend so much time auditioning for jobs that they don't end up booking that the actual work part where they get to be on set and in front of the camera is this tiny part of what they do. And so the rest is very much in their control to work their craft, to be disciplined about it, to try and always to learn and improve, never believe that they know more than they do. Uh, and even if they know a lot, be prepared to learn some more. And that is a work ethic that I think every actor should have. And I think it goes for writing too. You can't claim to be a writer or, or that you're ready for an opportunity unless you've really been working on understanding and honing your craft and, and writers write, and there's lots of procrastination involved. There's lots of times where you feel blocked or, you know, you feel like you're not worthy or not good enough, but writers write. I can remember early in my writing career, I would often call my agent up and go, Hey, nothing's happening for me. Why aren't you calling me with opportunities to go and get hired on jobs? And she said, well, what are you doing to write material that I can send to people to show them that you're a good writer? And I was like, Oh, right. You can't just market me on the basis of what I've, done, I have to continually be showing you what I'm capable of now. So writer's right. And you have to continue to work and push and have a good uh, drive. And it'll take you places. Today's guest is Joseph Illich. Joseph is executive editor at Valiant. Previously, he was also the senior editor at Lion Forge, editor in the Batman editorial group at DC Comics, editor at Milestone, and editor at Archaea. Love stories. Love stories and understand that stories are the priority. Ego is not the priority. Stories are always the priority. And characters, because basically, you know, these stories are, are vehicles for understanding each other, understanding ourselves, and sometimes making it to the next day. Um, I've read so many stories where people say, these comic books changed my life. This character saved my life. And when you understand that as part of a storytelling industry, as a caretaker, you have a big responsibility. To take on that responsibility has to come from love. And if we're talking about a quality I would say an essential quality to being an editor is to be a people person. If you're not a people person, it's going to be very difficult to be a good editor. You can be an excellent story editor, but you have to communicate with people. So you have to be a people person. And those are some of the things that have gotten me to where I am now. And honestly, in any given career, in any given field, you never stop learning. There is no point where you can say, okay, I understand it all. I don't need to learn anything more. It's always a learning process. You have to be open to that. Today's guest is Murr Lafferty. Murr is a novelist known for Solo, Six Wakes, a Hugo and Campbell winner, and a podcaster known for I Should Be Writing and Ditch Diggers. She's also the co-editor of the magazine Escape Pod. The large one is don't quit. And it sounds so easy, 
but considering how many people I know who quit and the fact that I quit for like 10 years after college, it's sad. And so many people think that if they're not good writers now, they never will be. And they don't think of it like a skill that you work at, like any other skill in the world. So if you don't quit, you've got a much higher, I mean, you've at least got a non-zero chance of succeeding. And if you quit, you've got a zero chance of succeeding. The micro thing is one thing that um, people don't actually talk about this very much. And, and when it occurred to me, it, it's, it's one of those little plot things that I see everywhere, which is most stories need to have an external conflict and an internal conflict, which is why, say, using um, series, uh, like detective series, whether they're magical or, or uh, non-magical type stuff, you know, you're, you've got your detective with their own personal issues. You've got them, just to use the, the cliche gumshoe thing, you've got the older man who is an alcoholic and has three ex-wives and can't get along with anybody. And that's the, the micro, the internal conflict that's going to be there in every single story. And then you've got whatever crime he's trying to solve as the big external story. But people aren't going to be interested in the external story if you don't make the internal story something that is something they can root for you to fix. The internal conflict has got to be really engrossing for, to make people care about the characters. And if they care about the characters, then they'll care about the external story, which is the plot of the whole book. Super excited today to have both Alan Dean Foster and Michael Kogi on the show. If I had to give one piece of advice, whether you want to become a writer or a composer or a painter or a sculptor or a pastry chef, I'd say you have to do something. You have to do some of it every day. You cannot take a couple of days off and wait for inspiration to strike and then write something or paint something and then take another couple of days off and wait for inspiration to strike again. It's a matter of sitting down or standing up or whatever position you have to be in and doing it. Otherwise, you will never perfect your craft, you'll never get good at it, and nothing will ever happen for you. So do a little something every day. Look, if you want to write for Star Wars, you got to write, you, you don't just want to write for Star Wars, you know? I mean, in order to be a writer, you have to, you want to write for everything, I think. There's, you know, um, there's just so, you have to be your own voice and you have to have your own ideas. And I... I don't, you know, I didn't get in this just to write Star Wars. Uh, I got in this because I wanted to to tell stories, and you know, Star Wars at one point will move on, and my career will move move on. And uh, but I I will hopefully, you know, be able to to do something else. And I think that's really really important. Uh, so to do your own original material, I mean, that's how you're going to get noticed, and that's what you're going to be most proud of. Today's guest is Kyle Larson. Kyle is an author of novels for young adults, including his latest novel, The Pirates of Mercury, and also a writer for Star Wars Newsnet and a contributor for Movie Newsnet. The best thing that was said to me, uh, well, not said to me, but that I read was from, uh, you know, take Stephen King for what you will, uh, but he did write a fantastic book uh, about the process of writing called On Writing. And that is that Writing, and I hope I don't butcher this quote too much, but writing is not a support system for life. It is the other way around. And that is something that I think people sometimes take to an extreme that like, I need to be this writer and I need to hole up in a room for eight hours a day and write 10,000 words a day and that kind of thing. And it's like, no, that's, you're, you're not going to, 
you're trying to write about something that's relatable to people and you're trying to make something accessible to people and bring them some joy joy and you can't do that if you're just like toiling away at a keyboard nonstop and you're missing out on your life missing out on human interaction so I guess what I would say, and, and something that's been huge for me, is making sure that there's a balance there. Making sure that, and I know that that sounds super cliched to say, but but make sure that you are living your life and that you're you're not putting this this thing that you do that you're passionate about. Don't put it before other people in your life, and don't don't put it before life experiences that you could have. You know, th- I remember like scheduling a vacation that I was going to take, and I got kind of nervous because I'm like, oh no, I'm not when am I going to be able to write or, you know, am I going to have time to write when I'm back at the hotel or things like that? And then, you know, it just kind of dawned on me, like, that's not what this is about, you know, (laughs) like you got to get out there and you got to live. And then those experiences will support your writing and those life experiences and the joy that you find in your everyday life and getting outside and into the world, that's, what's going to make you a better writer. And that's, what's going to make your writing, uh, become easier is because you have that that positive kind of mental stability i guess that you that you are getting out into the world and you're not just holed up in in some tiny room writing today's guest is anthony johnston anthony is a new york times best-selling writer of books film video games and graphic novels including the exforia code the fuse daredevil julius alex Ryder, the adaptation of alan moore's lost screenplay Fashion Beast, and The Coldest City, uh, which the movie Atomic Blonde was based on. The best advice that I always give to uh, young creators of any kind, but especially writers, is you have to do the work. You know, writers write, artists draw, filmmakers shoot film. Don't just sit around talking about it or thinking about what you're going to do. You have to do it. And it won't be very good. And that's okay, because you'll learn from it. And that's the other thing, is you must finish projects, because that's how you learn from them. You don't, don't get halfway through something and then abandon it and start something else, because you'll only get halfway through that and then abandon that and start something else. And, and you never learn that way. You can only learn and get better when you have finished a project and you're able to look at it and assess it as a whole thing. Because until it's finished, there's always a voice at the back of your mind that says, oh, I can fix it. Oh, all these problems, all these things that I can see are wrong with it. I can make them better in the last 20 pages or two minutes or whatever. And it's not true. It's never true. But if you think that, you won't be able to therefore critically look at those mistakes and think, how can I avoid them next time? So you must finish your projects, even if it's a 500-word short story, even if it's a one-page comic or a two-minute indie film, it doesn't matter. Make something, finish it, learn from it, and make the next thing better. That's that's life. That's work. That's what being a creator is. That's all there is to it. There is no secret, just hard work, perseverance, and trying to get better with every project. I'm a great believer that writer's block is simply fear. Writer's block is what happens when writers are afraid that what we write will not be as good as the perfect shining thing that we have imagined in our heads. Uh, And once you learn to get past that and realize that, no, it won't, and it never will be, and that's okay, then writer's block is no longer really an issue. So it's a kind of a combination of the two things. I am quite disciplined. You know, I, I write every day, I get up, I have a routine, I hit my word count, 
Um, and I feel good about it. And I'm, you know, I'm very disciplined in that sense. On the other hand, you say, how do you, you know, find the, the time and the, the passion to sort of do all these different things? My question to other creators is, how do you have the restraint not to want to do all of these things? We are here on this earth for such a short time. Why would you not want to do everything? Why would you not want to create as many things as you can, tell as many stories as you can, do as many things as you can in as wide a variety as possible? Because, you know, tomorrow I could get run over by a bus and it's all, and that's the end of it. So yeah, got to do these things. Today's guest is Brandon T. Snyder. Brandon is the author of the award-winning Dark Knight Manual, as seen in Entertainment Weekly, Time, Forbes, and Wired, as well as the Avengers Infinity War, the Cosmic Quest series. Additionally, he's written books featuring Cartoon Network favorites like Adventure Time and Regular Show, Marvel Spider-Man, and Black Panther, plus pop culture icons such as Justice League, Transformers, and The Muppets. Brandon has also written for and appeared on Comedy Central's Inside Amy Schumer. This is my advice. As you grow as a writer... Learn to hold yourself accountable to the story that you're telling. I used to think, as a much younger writer, before I was ever published, when I was just writing for myself, I did think, like, sometimes, this is brilliant and wonderful, and this is, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at this. That was back when I was just doing it for myself, and I wasn't able to sit down and go, what's the story you want to tell? How are you telling it? Now, because of actual work obligations, I have to know the ins and outs of my story because people will say, what about that? And I have to be able to go to bat for that. So learning the skill of holding myself accountable for the story that I'm telling um, is probably one of the most valuable skills and something that I'm still developing with an Avengers Infinity War Cosmic Quest book. I know that even the most minute choice that I make, whether that is a reference or a storytelling device or whatever it is, that somebody can turn around and go, no, or what? And that I would have to then say, this is the specific reason that that choice serves this whole story. And it's happened where I've done that and somebody said, oh, I see it. Okay, cool. And then it's gotten through. So as long as I keep doing that, holding myself accountable to the storytelling that I'm trying to accomplish, um, I feel like that's, that's probably a, a good piece of advice to give. Today's guest is Kelly Zekas. Kelly is a YA author known for These Vicious Masks these ruthless deeds, these vengeful souls. She's also a New York University graduate and writes, acts, and reads in New York City. And she also has a co-author named Tarun. I know plenty of people who actually do both. They found that traditional publishing works for something, self-publishing works for something else. Um, and I think the, the the con is just that Amazon is the main, what's the main way to self-publish, I think. And they seem to be changing the platform constantly. I think it's really hard to keep up with the best way to to do it all. Um, I mean, if you want to do everything yourself, if you're if you are a good marketer of yourself, if you're if you can figure out how to get the right covers and you know write the right copy for it, I mean, great, go for it. I'd consider it in the future for sure. But um, you know, I, I've also I've had a really good experience with traditional publishing, even though mine isn't super traditional, given that it was this unsolicited um, submission. Today's guest is Michelle Lavretta. Michelle is a television writer, showrunner, and creator of the shows Killjoys. And Lost Girl. The privilege that we have as writers, and never give this up, never let go of this power that you have in your heart. We make shit happen, and they need us. 
they need our stories. They need it to make money. They need it to hire a cast. They need it for a director to have something to shoot. We are the fucking engine. So if you hold that in your heart and you realize that as long as you do the best that you can and you are a good person to work with, don't be a jerk because that'll cut out opportunities under your legs as it should. Um, but create the content. That's what you have control of. And then if you are able to get into the right circles, and that is obviously we can talk more about that's progression and a difficulty, right. but people are going to want your shit. Just hold that in your heart because it's, it's a really hard challenge until you get there. Today's guest is Dorian Karchmar. Dorian is a literary agent at William Morris Endeavor, one of the most important and highest profile talent agencies. Have patience. Do not send out your work before it's ready. It's the number one mistake that I see aspiring writers make. They are so involved with getting to the next level, quote unquote, that they feel the pressures of their ego. Don't we all? I get it. They become very, very often, they're putting the desire, the need for ego gratification, which is maybe too simplistic a way of saying it, but I trust people will know what I mean. They're putting that in front of the work. They're putting that before the work. And I would just say, it's going to sound strange to say, but I really believe this and I've seen it borne out again and again and again that it's really hard to find an agent if your project isn't that good yet. It's just really friggin' hard to find an agent, especially to find a really good one. It's really pretty easy to find an agent if the work is outstanding. There are just a lot of us, and we're all kind of looking for the same thing. <laughs> That's yeah. the answer. The answer is put in the time. <laughs> And just shut out the noise that says it's got to be now, or my friend got a book deal, or I got a first draft, I should be finding an agent. So finding an agent is actually the last step. Today's guest is Jeremy Smith. Jeremy is the writer and producer of Sci-Fi's Van Helsing, Continuum, and Reboot, The Guardian Code. I just wrote and wrote and wrote. It's basically write and get people to read, write and read, write and read, and get people to give you honest feedback. Don't just get your mom to read your script or your friends to be like, oh, it's good. Like you want, you want brutal honesty because it's only going to make you better. And uh, the more people you have read your stuff and give their feedback, they'll start to become a trend of things that like, if you had 10 people read your stuff and eight people were confused about that one thing, clearly there's something wrong with that one thing. And it gets you to really break it down and, and either clarify it or fix it or, or change it completely. Those are the most important things for, a, for an early writer is, is write as much as you can, have people read and respond as much as you can. And get out there, put yourself out there, go to writing meetups. There's probably one in your city, wherever you are. We have them here, like writers just meet and you get to be a part of the community and, and uh, you know, meet your fellow colleagues and Eventually, you know, if uh, you, your writing gets better and you get good and people like you, you're going to get a job. It's, it's that simple. Today's guest is Jeff Shara. Jeff is the author of 15 New York Times bestselling novels, including Gods and Generals and The Last Full Measure, which are the prequel and sequel to his father, Michael Shara's novel, The Killer Angels. In 2003, Warner Brothers made Gods and Generals into a movie by the same name, that was a sequel to the 1993 film, Gettysburg. First of all, one thing I've already emphasized, if you're going to 
this. I don't care what you're writing about. I don't care if you're writing about your next door neighbor, your grandfather, your dog. I don't care what it is. You have to care about the story you want to tell. If you're not passionate about telling that story, why would anybody else want to read it? Number one. Number two, what I said before, what my father also taught, if you're going to do this, focus on telling, and again, I'm repeating myself, telling a good story. Don't teach a lesson. Don't do a nudge, nudge, wink, wink about politics. I mean, no, just tell a good story, no matter what it's about. You know, there, there's all kinds of other things. One thing I tell people writing a novel, uh, and I've had this conversation often, if you're going to tell me a story of some historical thing, if you're going to write historical fiction, take me there. Don't just tell me what happened. Put me there. One of the best reviews of my father's book, of the Killer Angels I ever saw, said, the guy said, for the first time, I felt I knew what it smelled like. Wow. Yeah. Fabulous compliment. Okay. Keep that in mind. What does it smell like? You know, show what does it look like? What does it feel like? Don't just say, well, then, you know, then he went up the hill and then there was a house and he went in the house. No. You know, did he trip and fall? I mean, what did the grass smell like? What, what, what was the sky looking like? One thing I, I don't want to get anybody to do, because I had an editor try to do this to me once, what my father referred to, excuse the expression, verbal diarrhea. You know, don't load up your sentences with every adjective you could think of. Right. That doesn't make it better. <laughs> you know, it just clogs it up. Just put yourself there. You know, when I'm, when I've said this often, when I'm writing a, an historical scene between, I mean, you know, pick somebody, George Washington and, 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 and John Adams, or between George Patton and Dwight Eisenhower, I'm in the room. Put myself in the room, and then I just tell you what I see and hear. You know, that, you have to get to that point. I guess the, the, the cliche lesson that they teach in, in journalism school is show it, don't tell it. Well, that, that applies very definitely, especially to writing fiction. Show it, don't tell it. And that, you know, that's probably the best advice there is. This is the one question I get that I hate. When people ask me, what is the secret to writing a bestseller? <laughs> First of all, I have no idea. I don't think there is one. But second of all, if that's your motivation, if you're going into this because you want to be J.K. Rowling or Stephen King, don't waste your time. You know, you, you have to have a passion for something other than making money. You know, it has to be something about the storytelling. Today's guest is Kyle Newman. Kyle is the author of Dungeons and Dragons, Art and Arcana, A Visual History. He's also a filmmaker whose directorial work includes Fanboys, uh, written by Ernie Klein, starring Kristen Bell and Seth Rogen, Barely Lethal, starring uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Haley Steinfeld, and Jessica Alba, and music videos for artists including Lana Del Rey and Taylor Swift. Kyle also produced the critically acclaimed documentary Raiders, the story of the greatest fan film ever made. Absolute persistence. If you ever say, oh, we'll do another draft once somebody signs on, or we'll do a draft after, you're losing. You're going to lose. Do all the work you can immediately when it's in front of you. Don't put it off. If somebody's saying, do another draft, do another draft. Don't think about money. It's not about money. It's not about, am I getting paid for this step? Or just do the work. You know, there's so many projects where writers have kind of ruined that I've been collaborating with because they want to get that $5,000 to go do a draft. You're like, listen, nobody's getting paid on this. If it's great, 
we're going to make it. And if it's not, people aren't going to sign on to it. And you can't get the actor before you do the work. Sometimes you need to improve that draft. Sometimes you need to tailor a draft just to an actor. You do that work. You just keep doing it. You keep trying over and over and over. And you keep rewriting it until you feel like all your ideas are in there. And you don't put it off to another draft. You do it even if it's a micro draft. I am always working. and I'm always expecting the writers I collaborate and work with to keep working. Because if you stop, then you're going to sink. So I just think it's diligence and persistence. And again, it's also, I go back to it, but it's just kindness. You know, collaborate with people, be thankful, be kind, just be excited that you're you're getting to do what you love. And even if it never gets made, you wrote the script, you rewrote the script, you plotted it, you planned it in your head, and maybe that's all it's ever going to be. Sometimes there's so many projects that's happened to where I'm like, you know what? It's probably not going to get made, but I got to visualize it. I cook it through this process, became really close. And, you know, right now it's not going to happen. So it's not the end of the world. Maybe I'll revisit it, but at least you went through that process. Even if you're an actor and you go on an audition and you don't get the part, go in there and play that part. That's your part for those 10 minutes while you're auditioning. Go own it. And you played it. You know, did anyone see it? Maybe not. But you got a chance to go do it. So go own it like that. Go treat it like that. So I'm always about just putting the work in tirelessly. And if people aren't down for that, then they're just not going to succeed. Today's guest is Carrie Drake. Carrie is a professional television writer known for Netflix's Lost in Space and Netflix's Dark Crystal, among many others. I would say three things. One is read, 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 which I'm sure every other writer you've had on, and I know I've listened to some of your podcasts and they've said the same thing. So I'm just going (laughs) to, I'm going to steal it. It's really good advice. Read. Um, I was reading um, Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders um, over the break and I hadn't read it uh, obviously before. And I know it's about a year and a half old, but it's such a good book and it's so magical and so interesting and quirky. And it really sort of opened up my brain to be thinking in new ways about how I tell stories. So I would say read. And number two, write, 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 write. You know, the only way you're going to get better as a writer is if you write. Um, and then three, also um, in all your copious amounts of extra time that we don't have as writers, get out there and experience some life. I think that um, whether it's travel or being a part of an organization that gives back or putting yourself in a situation you wouldn't normally be in, I think it's really important to live life, and meet other people with other worldviews because it constantly informs how you are creating. Today's guest is Dom Monahan. Dom is a writer of poetry, an actor known for the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Lost, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and the upcoming Star Wars Episode Nine. He's also the host of Wild Things with Dominic Monahan. You know, you have to really want it. Like, I think we hear about the loud stories about actors. We hear about the George Clooney's and the Brad Pitt's and the Tom Cruises that, you know, they live in multi-million dollar houses and they marry beautiful women and, you know, they do amazing jobs and travel the world and that's great. But that that's not the main story. That's just a loud story. The main story about actors is one of toil and unemployment and not a huge amount of work and struggle and strife. And you have to really want it. You know, it comes at a great cost to relationships in your life whether that's your parents or your siblings or your partner. It really is an overwhelming job. So on a Monday, you might not have a job. And on a Wednesday, you're flying to New Zealand for two years. I mean, that literally happened to me. And You have to just be selfish and make selfish decisions. And obviously that can cause, you know, minor tremors through your existence, you know. So I think I give talks quite a lot in schools and universities and 
you know, I just, I try and break the myth of what it means to be an actor. I mean, maybe people look at me and go, oh, he's that guy from Lord of the Rings. His life must be amazing. And my life is amazing, but, you know, I still get toothache. I still have to go down to the grocery store and, you know, buy fruit that rots in my fridge. And I still have good days and bad days. And I think people think nowadays there's this strange thing about fame that, you know, if you're famous, everything's fine. But that's really not the case for a lot of people. And in terms of specifically being an actor, you uh, you need to explore that craft. You know, you need to explore the people who you admire. If you're a big fan of Tilda Swinton or you're a big fan of De Niro or, or Ryan Gosling or Glenn Close, watch that actor. How are they doing that thing? What's their style? Why are they good at it? Study, study, study. If you're at school, ask your teacher to put on a play. If they won't put on a play, find a local youth theater, join that, make the mistakes while you're young so that when you're 18, you don't need to be making those mistakes and just, just get good at it. You know, I mean, the reason why Picasso is Picasso is because he's a profound artist. It's the same for any artist that's at the top of their game. I mean, I mean, sure, DiCaprio's a good looking guy and, you know, he's got all his features in the right place. He's also a fantastic actor. That's the reason that he's the top of his game. That's the same for any poet, any painter, any writer, any teacher. You know, if you're at the best school in the world and you're teaching science, it's probably because you're the best science teacher in the world or certainly one of them. So work out what you want to do and just attack it. Today's guest is Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan is the director of Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Insurrection, episodes of several Star Trek TV series, The Orville, producer of The Librarians and Roswell, and an actor best known for his portrayal of Commander William T. Riker in Star Trek The Next Generation and its subsequent films. Honor the script, prepare, make sure you understand the intention of the writer, even though you may believe that you understand it, ask so that you don't misunderstand or don't miss some something that the writer feels obvious. Listen to your heart when uh, you're watching a scene, and if you feel something, even if you don't understand intellectually why you didn't like it, don't be afraid to do another take. If you think, oh, maybe I have it, maybe you don't. And don't direct. Don't give actors notes if you don't have notes to give them just because you feel like you need to say something to them. You can be always be encouraging, but never over-direct. Never feel that, oh, I've got to show them that I'm directing by changing something that is not broken. And um, wear comfortable shoes. I meditate <laughs> I meditate at lunch so that I come back energized after everyone's going into a meat coma about two or three hours after lunch. Um, Yeah, those are a few things that I pass along. Today's guest is Rodney Barnes. Rodney is a screenwriter and producer who has written and produced The Boondocks, My Wife and Kids, Everybody Hates Chris, Those Who Can't, Marvel's Runaways, Stars, American Gods, and he is currently the co-executive producer of Hulu's Wu-Tang and American Saga. Write your own stuff. Refine your own stuff. Again, I think original material is key. A lot of writers talk to me. They're looking for like a magic answer. And the one that I give them never seems to be, never seem to be pleased with this one. And it's always keep writing because it feels like if you don't have someone there validating you or giving you money for it or giving you a job, it feels like sometimes, why am I doing this? Unless you really enjoy the process of writing. I think the more evolved you can make your writing, the more refined you can make your voice, the more confidence you can build in your work, the more opportunities come your way. 
And I wish I had written more. There was a period in my life between teens and early 20s where I didn't do any writing. And I wish I had because I think I'd be better even today. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing now, I could have been doing earlier. But I think I got so caught up in looking for, I need an agent, I need this, I need that. I needed, you know, I was looking outside of myself for something that really existed inside of myself. And I wish I had developed me more. So I think developing your ability to write brings out a certain confidence so that when the opportunity comes, you're ready. Because the worst thing is when you get an opportunity and you're not ready for it and you got to start back again at the end of the line. So I think writing, continuously writing, is the best advice that I can give. Today's guest is Jason Burke. Jason is a contributor at Dorkside of the Force and Fansided and formerly a contributor and feature columnist on Bleacher Report. I have learned that, you know, when I was younger, even though I thought I was, I was pretty good at it, I think I was always scared of, uh, I think a lot of people, no matter what it is, are, are kind of scared to do what they want to do, right? So I think I've, it's kind of helped me grow past that. And it's also helped me in a lot of ways not to worry about what somebody thinks. And, you know, like what I mean, like I, I remember writing that first article and um, <laughs> and for some reason I thought, you know, I was going to open up this dialogue. And I remember seeing, you know, one of the first comments when I talked about The Last Jedi was uh, somebody trying to tell me I was trying to sell some kind of leftist agenda. And I was like, what are they talking about? <laughs> it's like, and then just like, you know, a couple curses followed by that. But, you know, you can get past all that. I think a lot of people are scared of whatever the opinion is of someone else. And uh, it holds us back. And um, I think you just got to grind through it. I think you just got to do it. And then if you put out a product you're happy with, it, it doesn't matter what the opinion is. Or, you know, what? it just helped me just to say, you know, what? I didn't know if I could do this, but I did it. And then you take the next hurdle. So uh, it's been very important in my life. You know, it's definitely helped me in all the whole scope of my life and definitely something I wouldn't give up. But if I was going to say something to somebody, I'd say just do what you got to do. Don't care about what anybody thinks. And maybe not care about what you think. Just keep going with it. Just keep pushing. And, uh, and you'll get somewhere. Today's guest is Chris Baker. Chris is a writer and games industry professional, currently working as lead writer on the video game Operencia, The Stolen Sun. Previously, Chris worked on projects for Marvel, LucasArts, official U.S. PlayStation magazine, including the production of blockbuster titles such as Lego Marvel Super Heroes, Marvel vs. Capcom 3, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, 5 Spider-Man games, Marvel Pinball and the promotion of LEGO Star Wars 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and Star Wars The Force Unleashed. That's more than 40 titles total and over 100 SKUs. And he also wrote the book Wrong Retro Games, You Messed Up, Our Comic Book Heroes. Yeah, you know, it's... My career has been so weird because <laughs> I've I've been I've done so many different types of things and, and bounced around to all these like really jobs I'm I can't believe I've had like Marvel and Lucasfilm it's like it doesn't get much better than that but uh, you know I I would say you know just whoever you meet just be nice and you know, even if you never meet them in person, you know, say interesting things on Twitter, say, 
you know, like comment on their YouTube videos or, or whatever, and, and, and be someone who's saying interesting things that are not annoying. And then eventually they will know who you are. And then maybe they can help you out in, in moving forward in your own goals, whatever those may be. There's a former intern of mine when I worked at Marvel, who that's exactly what he did. And I knew who he was. And he introduced himself to me after a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. And I was like, oh, okay, I know your face now. And then a year later, we needed our intern. And he was like, hey, I'm available. And I was like, I know who you are. I know you're smart. I know you know your stuff. I barely even need to interview you, but let's do that as a formality. And so he was our intern. And then eventually, he would work for Marvel for a little bit. And then eventually, he would go on to work on the game Marvel Heroes. And now he works at Blizzard on Hearthstone. So, you know, he's been very successful. And I've had other people I've worked with kind of similar experiences. So be nice, say interesting things. Today's guest is Mike Barron. Mike is the creator of Nexus with artist Steve Rude and Badger, two of the longest lasting independent superhero comics. First, slash Devil's Do is publishing all new Badger stories. Barron has won two Eisners and an Inkpot Award and written The Punisher, Flash, Dead Man, and Star Wars, among many other titles. Mike has also published seven novels. Banshees, Domain, Helmet Head, Whack Job, Biker, Sons of Privilege, and Scorpio. In 2017, Liberty Island published all six Bad Road Rising novels, including Biker, which is available now. Mike has also written for The Boston Phoenix, Boston Globe, We, Fusion, Cream, Isthmus, Front Page Mag, and Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. He lives in Colorado with his wife, Anne, and some dogs, and he also has an upcoming book called Disco. Well, it's three things. Okay. And the first is your job is to entertain and keep that foremost when you're writing. The second thing is to show, don't tell, which sounds simple, but is really quite complex in execution. And the third is to be original. And that means don't repeat what other people say. Come up with your own language. Now, you know, they say there are no new ideas under the sun and that there are only seven basic plots, which may be, but we're all unique human beings with experiences. And if we draw on our own experiences and thoughts, uh, then we can make that work unique as well, unique in language, if nothing else. Today's guest is David Hayter. David is the director of Wolves and the writer of the films X-Men, X2, and Watchmen, among others. And he's also just finished writing the first season of Warrior Nun coming out on Netflix. The thing I did not realize, this is... This is a very easy question for me. I, this is, above all, the one element I did not realize was if you are going to survive as a working screenwriter, the sheer amount of work that you will do that never gets seen, the number of projects you write that just don't go, get thrown in the trash, the, the amount I, I've written, I feel like. I've written at least as many films, TV shows as Stephen King has written books. And yet all of his books are made and people <laughs> get to enjoy them. Maybe 8 to 10% of what I've written has made it to the screen, been seen by anybody. And that's not a bad ratio. You know, my agents are like, well, look, 8 to 10%, that's huge. But it's so grueling. and 
soul killing to see script after script after script just tossed. And you just have to deal with it. You have to live with it and you have to keep going back to work with the same level of fire and commitment or you won't survive. And so my piece of advice is for anybody who's screenwriting and they've written one script and they think my whole career hinges on this, um, that's a recipe for failure. You need to write your first script, write your second script, write your third script, go back, re-edit your first, second, and third scripts, and then and just keep doing it. And if you cannot produce that level of output, um, it will be very difficult for you to survive once you find success. Because if you find success, if you're fortunate enough to do so, and I hope you do, you are going to hit the ground running and you are suddenly going to be working on five different things at once and maybe one of them will get made. That's the reality. Today's guest is Beth Schwartz. Beth is the showrunner and executive producer of CW's Arrow. She's also written for Legends of Tomorrow, Heart of Dixie, Brothers and Sisters, and What About Brian? Yeah, I think um, what set me up for success, and at the time I was so angry about, <laughs> um, was I was a writer's assistant for five different shows before I became staff. And I had written probably, I think somewhere close to like nine freelance scripts before I got staff, which was always, you know, everyone was always shocked when they heard that. And I think being in so many different rooms, seeing so many amazing writers, including Greg, um, break story, which is how I learned how to break story, taught me so much and I didn't even realize it. And I think that experience was so valuable. And it's also what I think, you know, made me or made me such a successful writer on staff and then made me prepared to be a successful showrunner. Today's guest is Brian Silliman. Brian is an actor and a writer of plays, including The Magic of Mrs. Crowling, also musical stories and a book in progress. He's also a reporter and a writer for Sci-Fi Wire. I'd say the o overall theme that has kind of gone with my, my acting my, and, and every kind of writing I do in every way, I'd say be bold. It's be bold and make strong choices. And, you know, in, in whatever artistic thing you're doing, I would rather watch something that makes big, big choices and fails completely at it than watch something that doesn't even try and is just kind of okay. You know, if you're going to fail, fail big. You know, that's, and I, I, I'm sure there are many that would disagree with that. But it's like, for one thing, that's what a rehearsal room is for as an actor. You know, try everything and just, you know, and, and I do. And that's why, you know, that's why I, I also should, should really never direct because I should never be in a position where I have any kind of power over <laughs> Or any kind of final cut, because every time I have things get weird, because I find some things funny, or I'm just being a jerk. I'm like, I'm putting that in. I'm, yeah, because I'm just cra kind of crazy that way, and it's um, and and that's the problem <laughs> directly. You can just, I'm like, wait, no one's gonna stop me. It's like okay, and you know, so I should I should never ever have that kind of power. And so, so with, with with an acting choice or whatever, you know. Don't don't be. Unless, I'm not saying if, the, if you're playing, you know, a timid character, you know, don't scream. Anyway, it's not what I'm saying. It's just like 
do it, do it full out and, and make a, make a strong choice and commit to it. And the same with, the same with writing, you know, if you have a story you believe in, it's like, I'm using a baseball metaphor, but you know, swing for the fences, you know, it's so apt. And you know, the, the, the stuff that I love watching, the stuff that really excites me and, and inspired me early on were all things that did that were, you know, plays that did that and movies. I remember I was talking about this just last night. I remember the first time I went, I watched the movie being John Malkovich and um, it's the first time I ever saw anything of Charlie Kaufman's work and talk about a, a writer who makes bold choices. I mean, that, it's insane what he does. And this is before I'd ever read Vonnegut or really got into, you know, some of these sci-fi heavy hitters, you know, but I watched that movie and I was like, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. That was the thought I had. And I was like, I didn't know movies could be like that. I didn't know they were allowed to be like that. And that changed forever the way I look at movies. And, and I was like, oh my God, there are all these other movies that are like that. It's like, I had no, you have no idea. Today's guest is Tim Woods. Tim is a professional game master who was recently featured in Wired. He's also a writer, teacher, bard, and storyteller. What's funny is uh, that is the thing I really have to contend with was the, is the idea of I can imagine, oh, I really want this character to like achieve victory in this particular way so that it fits in with the theme of their redemption story. But not only can I not predict what they'll do or necessarily always like what you know the monsters and stuff are going to do, in theory I have more control over that, I certainly can control what the dice rolls are going to be. And to me, that is the coolest thing is very often... I still get these incredible stories coming out of my game, not because I designed it that way, but because the right dice roll at the right moment will all of a sudden make the story go in this amazing direction. And then very often it'll be something where one player or myself will go, oh my God. And of course, as they're dying, they say this, and it's the perfect way for that character to die or something like that. And in really the organic storytelling is so satisfying because everyone knows we didn't mean for it to necessarily happen this way, but it did. And now it's like, you know, it, the story told itself as it were. Today's guest is Calixto Chinchilla. Calixto is the founder and executive director of the New York Latino Film Festival presented by HBO. This has all been a dream. Like this was not in the cards. It was a crazy ass dream to do a festival. And I think I had no instruction. I really didn't have like a big business. I don't think anybody else did. It wasn't, it literally was rooted in a dream. And I think for me, there's no book. There's some books now, you know, you could Google it. But if you realize, even Google just turned, what, 20? <laughs> so all of it was kind of new. So I urge people to research, to don't be afraid of network. You never know, like, who you can, like, even if it's the biggest name, like, network. I remember... Maggie Richard Benya, you know, that, who was at Film Society at, at the time. But as you know, he was like the director for the New York Film Festival. This man is like kind of untouchable. And I literally begged this man, like I had nothing. I had no name, like nothing, just to talk to him. And he gave me like 15 minutes, maybe less. And that meant a lot to me, just like, you know, and I'm coming to this guy who's been there, done. I'm like, hey, I'm going to start a film festival. 
get ready. So I think you never know who you who you know, just talk to people, network and build, you know, and over time, hey, I've, I've spoken to Richard's classes at, at, at Columbia. So you never know what what comes off. Discount no one. Discount no one. You never know. And be sharp in your intuition. Life experience kind of teaches you that, but, you know, read, be intuitive, learn, be open. And for me, that, that kind of keeps you grounded even to this day. You know, I don't think I, I stay curious. I don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't want to know all the answers. And I think that that's what kind of keeps me open to this day is I'm, I'm still curious. I'm still excited. If they're not excited to do this, I'll stop. Today's guest is Amy Holden Jones. Amy is a screenwriter of Mystic Pizza, Beethoven, Indecent Proposal, among many other features, and the creator, EP, writer of The Resident for Fox TV, and also the creator of Black Box on ABC. Well, it depends what they're trying to do. It's all different these days. If you're trying to write an independent feature, you have a much easier road to hoe than I did, You and you, or direct. You can write it and start shooting it on your cell phone. You know, you can, you can get... When I did Slumber Party Massacre, I was 26 years old when I started, 27 when I finished. And I was a successful editor already, and I didn't want to be typed into that. I was supposed to cut E.T., but it kept being pushed back. So I had never really written anything, and I got the script for a show called Don't Open the Door, which Roger Corman had. It was a low-budget filmmaker, exploitation filmmaker, a famous one, and um, did the first six pages on film. And I got access to a cinematographer and a camera because I'm married to one, and my next-door neighbor was a sound man. And I got actors from, you know, UCLA who were studying acting. And we did the first eight pages of the script, which I had rewritten in our living room. And I put it together on a friend's cam at night and I put tracks on it and dropped it off to Roger Corman. And he hired me to do the rest of the movie. And that became from the party massacre. All of a sudden I was director and I backed out of E.T. Now the script didn't work on any level when I read the rest of it, so I had to rewrite it, which I did, and that was the first thing that I wrote. And Roger was the first person to tell me, you can do this, you can write. And uh, today, it would be much easier. You can do anything and shoot it on your own if you have the initiative. It doesn't cost anything to shoot digital, to cut on your own laptop. You can end up at a film festival. You can make short films on YouTube if you have that passion. And if you don't and you want to write, then you pair with somebody who does and start turning out films. Our post-production supervisor, Sam Friedlander, has been making great YouTube stuff for quite a while, and he just did this, and he just won the Santa Barbara Film Festival. And he'll be, I hope, directing an episode for us next season as a result, but he should be able to make it as an independent filmmaker now. He's not wealthy. It's because digital is cheap now. You can do it on your own. It wasn't cheap before. Today's guests are Joshua Pruitt and Scott Peterson. Joshua is an Emmy and Annie Award-nominated TV writer of Phineas and Ferb, Milo Murphy's Law, Mystery Science Theater, and the upcoming Netflix, The Last Kids on Earth. Scott Peterson is an Emmy-nominated executive producer and showrunner of also the upcoming Netflix's The Last Kids on Earth. These guys are both co-authors of the book, Shipwreckers, The Curse of the Cursed Temple of Curses, or 
we nearly died a lot. I'll say two things. One is write, which everybody says, but you just have to write, 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 write. One of the things, I don't remember who said it, but it's like the worst thing written is better than the best thing unwritten. Meaning if it's, if it's in your head, it doesn't do any good to anybody. So even if it's on paper and it's not perfect, it exists now. It's something. You can show it to somebody. And the other thing, which we said earlier, is, is to feel free to write crap. You don't have to always sit there and write the best sentence on that blank piece of paper. Start out with something else and go back and fix it. You can edit it later. Yeah. And the only thing I would add is that, you know, it, as long as you know you're doing your best, you have to find the right audience. I've had multiple times in my career where depends on who's looking. You know, take everything with a grain of salt. Um, you know, don't. I just read this recently. It's like, you know, don't put a lot of faith in someone's advice who or opinion who you would never ask their advice. You know, if, if you would never go to that person to get feedback, it's like, you know, maybe don't take everything they say at face value. You know, I've had lots of opportunities where I've done what I thought was my best work and people didn't react positively to it until I showed it to the right person. You know, uh, the experience I'm having with my current book right now, like, I've got to find the right fit. We were lucky with Shipwreckers that Brittany got it. And we pitched her other stuff that she didn't respond to. So not everyone is going to get everything that you do. Part of the work is finishing it and then finding the right fit, finding the right audience, finding that person who loves it or falls in love with it or cares about it the way that you do. And that takes a lot of time. Today's guest is John Patton Ford. John is a writer and a director who went to school for directing. His thesis film, Patrol, premiered at the 2010 Sundance Film Festival and made the shortlist for the 2011 Academy Awards. He's now a writer of feature films. The first thing to do was just not let um, the haters fucking hit to you. <laughs> right. The amount of bad advice is staggering. People giving you advice. When people start giving you advice, listen to them, absorb it, but then also think about who they are and where they're coming from. They may not really know, and they may be full of fears and insecurities that are very unproductive for you. You know, I would say make short films, but don't focus on them exclusively. Also write features. That means you got to read features. So read feature scripts. And I'd go further. I'd say read feature scripts that have not been produced yet. When People read features, they oftentimes go back and read, like, you know, Back to the Future or something. That doesn't count, man. You've already seen the movie. You're envisioning them. No, no, no. You need to read something you've never seen. That is how you identify what good writing is. Because if you read it and like it, think about how meaningful that is. You know, you had nothing to reference. So definitely, definitely, definitely learn to write. Because if people do start noticing you as a filmmaker, they're only going to be like, give us some material, you know, give us a script every single time. Nobody, nobody breaks as a director now. Nobody. I can think of one guy, <laughs> my friend Jordan, who made Kong Skull Island, is the only fucking dude I know who doesn't write scripts and never did. One out of thousands. And he's like a, he was like a funnier die video guy. So I would say learn to write. It's also really empowering as a filmmaker to have the ability to write. The directors who are working now who don't have that ability are kind of limited. Like they, they're limited to the material that they get and they might not get good material. So they end up making movies that aren't that great. 
Today's guests, we have three guests, J.D. Sanderson, Stan Cho, and Matt Kelly. J.D. is a science fiction author whose first novel, A Footstep Echo, is on sale now. The sequel, The Clock's Knell, is coming out in summer 2019. Stan is a writer and artist of both traditional and mobile comic books and published his first comic on Webtoon earlier this year. And Matt Kelly is a senior copywriter and writer of comic books, including Highlander and an upcoming comic with Stan Cho, who's also on the episode, with Matt being the writer and Stan being the artist. The one piece of advice I would give would be to just be original. You know, I mean, it's, there is no such thing as a perfect publication. There's no such thing as a perfect book, a perfect graphic novel. There's always something we wish we could go back and, and do better. But as long as I think you're, you're trying to come up with an original idea or put an original spin on something, I think you're going to be happier with yourself. I know that I, you know, I, did I sell as many books as, as I wanted to in the first year? No. But, you know, I'm happy with the product I put out, and I'm even more happy with the second book. I've also got a short story that's going to be published soon in a, uh, in a magazine. So I'm just, you know, as long as I keep approaching things from an original vantage point, I'll be happy with what I do. Yeah, I would break it down to just one question writers need to ask themselves is, is it a vanity project or is it a profit project? And um, if, if it's a vanity project, you know, just do whatever you want. It's, you have nothing holding you back. You just make what makes you happy. If it's not a vanity project, in my eyes, it's, it's something that's aiming to get an audience. And once you're in that camp, you have a lot of work to do because you have to get a beat on what's hot. You have to get a beat on, is your project easy to communicate to people who are going to either fund it or, or stand behind it? You know, you have less chance to be original. You can put an original twist on something like JD said, but you can't be totally original because no one's going to listen to you. You know, they'll listen to you 20 years later when they found out that you were a genius and you were 20 years ahead of the game. But you're not allowed to be that original. You have to really ingest a lot of sort of visuals and design and, again, you know, the landscape. You know, what is the landscape? You know, you have to incorporate that into the visuals that you attach to your writing piece. You know, your writing piece, your pitch, whatever it may be, will be infinitely more valuable and infinitely more ingestible if it has even one promotional art piece attached to it. That will be your most important art piece. That's the one you have to repeatedly show to everybody. It's kind of like, oh, we need fresh content. Uh, No, if you're pitching something that's new, you only need one art piece and you only need to keep showing that art piece, refining it until it is as crystal clear in describing what your movie is about. And it, it, it doesn't have to be a piece that describes your story to a T. It has to give a feeling. And that, that feeling, you can learn about how to create an art piece or how to art direct as a writer. You, or you're only going to be able to art direct the piece. Or, or you know, if you're a writer artist, that's another thing. But let's just assume you're a writer and predominantly a writer and you want to hire an expert to create a promotional art piece. The way to learn about how to make promotional art pieces is to, you know, again, absorb whatever's around you, um, especially movie posters. You know, study movie posters. Look at movie posters and ask yourself, what feeling does this give me? And then look at your own for-profit project and think about how can I make a poster that gives me a feeling that I'm trying to convey And chances are, again, this is not an original idea because you're not allowed to be super, super original. 
you know, when you're dealing with, you know, these people who are going to fund your project, usually. So it's been done before. So, you know, seek out the movie posters that conveyed that feeling for you in the past, you know, dig them up, you know, dig them up on the internet, find out what they looked like and say, and give that to your artist and say, I want it to look like this and this with these colors from, and it could be from five different projects, but that's where you're communicating your idea to the artist to create this awesome promotional piece. That's going to be a big part of making that project happen for you. I'm sorry. I just want to jump in because um, something Stan said is absolutely, absolutely true. I'm glad he said it because um, three of the seven rejections I got, my first round of rejections were all basically the same thing. We don't know what to do with this. It's a cool story. We like it. Can't market it. So he's right. You have to, you have to play the game a little bit. So I just wanted to say, I, was, I, wanted, I wish I had mentioned that. So thank you, Stan. You said it better than I could. This is a mandate for all um, aspiring writers, beginning writers. Start small. Don't make your magnum opus right out of the gate because one, it's going to be terrible. So you don't want your big thing to be bad, do you? And two, if you're a beginning writer, no one's going to want to read your magnum opus right away because they're going to look at it and be like, you've never written anything before? Like, what do I have to go on? So start small. Make the small thing as good as it can be. So it can be your calling card. So you get it, give it to someone. They're like, oh, wow, this is good. And it didn't take me too long to read it. Oh, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. So the next time you do come along with the thing that's maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little more complicated, they're going to be willing to give you more time because time is money. And uh, so start small. And uh, that way you're also going to get it, your first project done. And because if you start big, you might not get it done and then you'll never get anything done. So today's guest is Michael Marisi. Michael is the author of the novels Black Star Renegades and We Are Mayhem through St. Martin's Press, also writer of comics including Roche Limit, Wasted Space, Archie, and Star Wars. The thing that I'll say uh, that I think is really important, besides getting your foot in the door, one thing I'll say in terms of like you mentioned, like uh, not having a shortage of work, which is true. I've been very fortunate. I've worked very hard. Uh, you know, I write a lot, a lot of different things. Uh, and, and I think the key for me from like making that transition from like a writer who has a day job to writing as a day job was uh, diversifying what I do. This industry, uh, whatever writing you want to do, like I said, I'm more entertainment, pop culture. But even if you're doing literary fiction, if you're doing straight up fantasy. Uh, romance, whatever. It's very hard. It's very hard, no matter what channel you're going, you know, traveling down, wherever the journey of a writer is, to make it professionally is remarkably difficult, just uh, the bare finances of it. So, you know, we want to have this idea. We want to have, you know, we want to have a pool. You know, a pool is our career. We want it, we, in our heads, we want to have one giant hose filling that pool, you know? Like, I write novels, and the novel hose fills my pool. But what's probably more realistic, at least I think was definitely more realistic, is like many hoses filling your pool. You know, like I, I do comics and I write novels and I also write video games. And then I do, you know, other stuff. I teach here and there, uh, a story, you know, story workshops. Um, I do speaking engagements, stuff like that. And I do a lot of different things that bring in income. And everybody, most people that I know, I think everybody I know is doing that in one form or another. Even if you're just writing comics, you know, friends of mine who write comics will write like, Marvel, you know, superhero comics, but they also write their own comics at the same time and right. are doing something else. So just doing one thing, it's it'd be great, but it's just not real unless you're like, you know, Brian Sanderson or Stephen King. You know, like it's it's really hard to make a right a career doing just that. In terms of getting your foot in the door, 
you know, it's like we were saying earlier, it's, it's, it's just about showing up. It's just about going and being places, you know, constantly doing the work, constantly putting the work in front of wherever it needs to go, wherever your work is, you know, being at book fest, being at, you know, uh, comic conventions, being at, uh, bookstores and meeting writers and meeting people in the community and like opportunities I've found, like I said, you know, all the opportunities I've had have come from, you know, you don't want to say meeting people cause that sucks. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be like, yeah, you just got to meet people and hope somebody opens the door for you. But it sort of is. But I think people are willing to open the door for people who see that you're around. They see that you're serious about this. Like, I, I have done it a number of times myself. Like, I've seen, like, this person is invested. They're good. They're invested. They clearly want to do this. So I'm comfortable being like, hey, I will introduce you to this editor. I will introduce you to here. I can, you know, I've introduced people, my agent, whatever. And because I see the dedication that is essential is there and you do that, you know, it's not just nepotism. It's also confidence of the community. Like, okay, I believe this person's got what it takes, has that drive, has the passion and is good. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy putting them in front of people because they can handle it. Today's guest is Vivian Lee. Vivian is the writer of Netflix's Cowboy Bebop, Lost in Space and the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Just from my own personal experience, like I said, I'm I, I, from Colorado. That's very far away from LA. How was I going to get there? I did internships. I um, This was back when NBC had their NBC page program. And I just kind of stumbled upon it online and went, oh, if I apply to the NBC page program in Burbank, California, that gives me an excuse to go to LA. You know, I can work. I can be around people in the industry. I think the my husband's a writer. He came from in a different way. But for my trajectory, it was, you know, you have, in order to be in this business, you have to surround yourself. You literally have to just, all your friends have to be in this business. You have to become an assistant. You have to, you know, be a PA. I think you just kind of, that's, again, that's how I, I rose the ranks, where I became a PA and then a writer's assistant and a script coordinator for years. And I was just surrounded by writers. I was surrounded by executive producers and stuff. And I would also suggest that when you get those PA jobs and assistance jobs, that you, not in a cocky sort of way, but make your intentions known. You know, you when you are introduced to people, I think a lot of people, and this is something that I, I look back in my own life, when people go, oh, what do you want to do? And you just kind of go, oh, I'm a, I'm a PA. I, I, I don't know yet. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer. But I couldn't say it because it felt so, it was like as if I told someone, oh, I'm in a band. Oh, really? Where do you play? Oh, I play in my parents' garage. It felt like it wasn't a real thing that people would laugh. But you have to, if you want to be a writer, you have to identify yourself vocally as a writer. Oh, I'm a PA on a, on a reality show, but um, I'm working on a script right now. I'm, I'm, I really want to be on a scripted show. And that's what I did. I suddenly started changing the way I introduced myself, the way I talked. Oh, because I was in reality shows as a PA forever. And much like anything else in any other business, once you're in a specific genre or specific type of show, that's what you're stuck in. So I was on reality shows for like five years. And it's only people I knew were reality. And I suddenly was like, I can't do this. This is not what I came to LA to be. So I started being like, oh, um, yeah, I'm a reality show. Oh, do you want to be a reality producer? No, I want to be in scripted television. I want to be in scripted television. I want to be in scripted television. When you say that long enough, people in this industry, as much as people dis LA being cold and harsh and a bunch of people trying to rip your soul apart, there are a lot of good people out there too. There are a lot of people that will remember 
what a great worker you are, how hard, how you walked in with a smile on your face and you, you know, you were handed something to go deliver at three o'clock in the morning and you did it without complaint. And they go, oh, what do you want to do? I want to be a writer. They will remember that because cut to, and that's exactly what happened to me, cut to, you know, a year later being on a reality show, someone, someone, a friend of mine that I had worked with as a PA went, you know, there's a show called, this is going to date me, American Dreams on NBC. It's a scripted show. It's season three. I think they're going to do one more season. Do you want to be a PA on that show? And I went, absolutely. And it's someone just because simply I just said, I want to be on scripted television. So when you're starting off, just be cognizant of telling people what you want, because there are people out there who will listen. And if they can help you, they'll remember you and be like, oh, so-and-so wanted to be a writer. You know, I have a writer friend. Do you want to meet for coffee? Oh, you said you wanted to be a writer? Oh, you know, my uncle actually um, runs Modern Family. You want to go meet him? Like, those things will happen. But until you actually acknowledge that as your own identity, no one else is going to. No one else is going to say that for you. So that's my biggest thing. Today's guest is Meryl Hagen. Meryl is an animation writer on Teen Titans Go, Harvey Birdman, Danger Mouse, Unikitty, Bunicula, Magic School Bus, and a ton of other stuff. I would say everyone's always asked, like the first question I get from anybody who wants to be a writer is, how do I get an agent? <laughs> and that's the wrong question. <laughs> the real question is, to me, like, what is it you want to do? Like, if you wanted to be like, if you're like, hey, I want to be a sitcom writer, or I want to be, you know, a dramatic, I want to write like, you know, Riverdale. There's all sorts of different ways. If you want to be an, a writer of comedy, the best way to do that is to be around the comedians and people who are doing it. Like, I would say, like, go take classes at UCB, go take, you know, at Crownlings, because those are the people who are getting hired as, even in animation, a lot of times as comedy writers. I think an agent or a manager can be helpful, but like, that's overlooking. That's just like jumping a bunch of steps. It's like what like the best way is just like personal connection. People I've met that were like entertainment writers that went into writing and stuff, like they've made all these connections with these showrunners and they were able to talk to them and stuff like that. For for me, I was extremely lucky because of, you know, my history of cartoon and adult swim. Like I was able to meet all these showrunners and studio heads and like when I transitioned to full time writing, like I was I had like a history you know, at that point, like a pretty deep history with people. It's like anything, like you build, rela it's relationship-based, I guess. Especially when writing can be hard. Like I'm kind of an extroverted introvert. Like I don't, <laughs> sometimes I don't want to go see people or interact with people, but like you kind of have to make yourself do it. Like that's, you know, especially for people when we be in animation, there's animation writer meetups like out the yin-yang in LA. Like there's writer group meetups like everywhere. Like those are, the people who will help you, like your friends, you know? Today's guest is Eric Haywood. Eric is a screenwriter for Power, Empire, Private Practice, Soul Food, and Relative Stranger. And he's also a director for Empire and Four of Hearts. This is something that I had to learn for myself over the course of many years. And it sounds really cliche and simple, but it's really true, which is don't give up. And sort of the, the flip side to that lesson is if they could write it themselves, they would. They need writers. And by they, I mean, you know, networks and studios mm -hmm. and executives who tell you that you're not ready or you're not good enough or, or whatever. Not to say that they don't have helpful things to say in terms of feedback and giving notes on episodes and scripts. But for me, it all comes back to if they could write these fucking scripts themselves. They damn sure would. So 
It so, saves some money. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so they need you, <laughs> and they're never going to tell you that. So you have to just sort of keep on fighting for your place at the table. Today's guest is Adrian McKinty. Adrian is an Edgar Award-winning Irish novelist and critic. His new book, The Chain, was recently named Amazon's Best Book of the Month for July, sold to Paramount Pictures, and has been receiving positive reviews across the board and praise from lots of established authors, including Stephen King himself, Tana French, Don Winslow, and many more. I totally would say this. Do not give up. I was completely on the verge of giving up. I 100% would have stopped writing for, my plan was to stop writing for at least two years. I have a feeling it would have been a lot longer. Um, I have a feeling that once I'd stopped for two years, it might have been three or four to get the juices flowing again. Um, so I would say when things are looking dark, I mean, I, we were literally affected from our house. And things couldn't have looked more dark for me as a as an artist and someone as a dad trying to provide for my family. And I would say, look, hang in there as long as you possibly can. You know, there's a great philosopher and poet called Jennifer Hacked, and she has this wonderful phrase. And she says, like, just hang in there. You know, the the, the earth will turn in its ellipse, and spring will come, and crocuses will come up. And if you can just hang in there, um, maybe good things will happen and maybe you'll get lucky like me. Today's guest is David M. Boer. David is a comic book writer for Powerless, Alien Bounty Hunter, and IDW's upcoming Canto, co-created by David, along with Drew Zucker. In addition to writing comics, David is a screenwriter and a lawyer living in Los Angeles. I think I mentioned it earlier, but um, my one piece of advice to anybody is... in. You know, it can be a challenge sometimes, but just be the kind of person that other people want to spend time with. And whether or not you're a great writer, a good writer, an okay writer on your way up, trying to improve your craft, if you are the kind of person that other people like, they will help you get to where you want to be. Because nobody can do this on their own. I mean, there's, I guess, the one in a million person who can just write that book in isolation and have it go out there and just become a superstar. But most of us are just, you know, trying to be out there and find the people we want to work with and just try to get that little bit, you know, move that little next step forward. And my experience has been, if you're the kind of person that other people want to see succeed, then um, it's just that much easier to get that next baby step forward. Today's guest is Will Corona Pilgrim. Will is an American film writer, director, and comic book writer who is most notable for his work on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Comic tie-ins and the action horror short film, No Touching, he created with his colleague Adam Davis, starring stunt industry all-stars Zoe Bell and Heidi Moneymaker. I mean, people take uh, professionalism for granted. I know it, it, it sounds kind of like it's a no-brainer, but being able to to hold yourself and, 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 you know, articulate what it is you're trying to do in a very humble and collaborative manner, that'll never go out of style. You know, it's knowing that, especially with, with filmmaking, because filmmaking is radically uh, collaborative with how many people you're talking to at any given time, especially for the writers. And, and for comic medium, I'd say it's the same. You know, you, you want to talk to every fan as if you're talking to your artist or you're talking to your editor. You know, it's, it's having that nurturing and, and, and helpful and collaborative manner. I do think 
that that is definitely what I've tried to do, and I, I continue to try to do, uh, strive to do, and I, I, I do think that would help a lot of people. Today's guest is Olivia Charmaine Morris. Olivia is a TV executive and director of development, original scripted programming at the TBS Network. In 2019, Olivia received an Executive Shadow and Act Rising Award. Outside of the entertainment industry, Olivia has also dedicated herself to a lifelong pursuit of international exploration and service from Cuba to Spain and Ghana to Nicaragua. I would say for aspiring writers, I would say make sure you have a rigorous process that almost mirrors a bodybuilder. Meaning, if you were a bodybuilder and you told me, I don't go to the gym, I don't have a nutritionist, I don't take protein, I don't take vitamins, that's basically when I hear writers saying, yeah, actually, this draft in my script is from 2013, and I don't have an updated draft, and I haven't been writing anything since. I think that there's a big difference between writing as a hobby and writing as a career and writing as a craft. And I think that to be a working TV writer, you have to be writing every day or, you know, at least have the output that someone that's writing every day has. I think that's really important. I think aspiring TV development executives, my biggest piece of advice is know your taste. Because at the end of the day, I give a lot of no, you know, no, I, I can't hire that person. No, I'm not buying that show. But it's not just a no. I have to really be able to articulate why. And if I'm putting my stamp on something and my energy behind something as a yes, I have to really be able to defend it from, from top down. So I think really being able to not just know what you like and, and what you dislike, but understand why and being able to articulate it and relate it back to your specific brand is a skill that can be honed whether you're a development executive or not. Today's guest is David Gallagher. David is a comic book and video game writer for High Moon, Green Lantern, and Ubisoft's Tom Clancy Ghost Recon Breakpoint. He's also the co-founder of the storytelling studio Bottled Lightning and co-host of the podcast For the Love of Comics. Previously, David wrote the best-selling young adult series Only Living Boy, was an early pioneer of digital comics, developing projects for Marvel's Iron Man, Captain America, and Spider-Man, as well as Box 13 the first comic designed specifically for the iPhone for Comixology, and served as a consulting editor for Attack on Titan, Sailor Moon, and Fairy Tale for Kadansha. David also has received multiple Harvey Award nominations and won the best online comic for his work on High Moon for DC Comics. His current book is The Only Living Girl, and he continues to work on Ghost Recon Breakpoint for Ubisoft. He's so good that they can't ignore you. So, like, work on your craft, 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 work on your craft every day, write every day, get feedback every day, work on your craft, work on your craft, work on your craft. Just become so good that when your material is ready to be submitted, that people can't ignore you because your work is that good. I do have one, before I go, I have one piece of advice that that I would like to share with people, or the the book, rather, that transformed the way that I thought about writing professionally versus being an amateur was Lawrence Block's Telling Lies for Fun and Profit. Of all the books I've read about writing, of all the experiences and all the courses I've taken, that was the single best book, and the way that it transformed my life as a writer was revolutionary. There was a chapter called Do It Anyway, and it was all about how you have to give yourself permission to write a bad first draft because the unwritten page isn't nearly as good. Like you can't work with nothing. 
So if you're not even willing to, to sit down and put bad ideas on paper, then you can't edit it and make it better. So there's a really great opportunity. Just do it. Give yourself permission to write a bad first draft. Or uh, Megan Gantz, who wrote for Community and Modern Family, called it a spit draft or a vomit draft. Give yourself an opportunity to write something terrible. Because at least when it's terrible, you can still fix it. But if it's not written at all, and you're watching Good Omens, or you're watching Veronica Mars, or you know House Hunters, you're not actually working on your craft. Today's guest is Carly Ray. Carly is a TV writer for HBO's upcoming Watchmen. Previously, she was also a writer for Westworld, The Leftovers, and Mad Men. It can very much take longer than you think it will. You know, I, that's just... It's my favorite thing to say, and I think because the very first time I said it, like one of the first panels or something that I was invited to do, I had people come up to me and they were so grateful to hear that I had been rejected, had scripts rejected by managers and agents. It took me years to get a writer's assistant job that, you know, I had crappy day jobs and didn't know anybody in the business when I first got out here. And so it, you know, I got a piece of advice when I was in grad school that I totally ignored which was, it will take longer than you think it will. And it just applies to so much. And I feel like it's my favorite piece of advice to repeat, whether it's the script you think you want to sell or the agent you're trying to get or the job you're trying to get. It is okay and normal if it feels like it is taking an eternity to figure out how to break in. Today's guest is Carlos Gifoni. Carlos is the writer of the upcoming Dark Horse comic book, Strayed, as well as Space Riders, Vortex of Darkness for Black Mask. He's also a video games producer who has worked on different video games and creative production roles for 14 years. And he's also a musician, label owner, and festival curator and organizer. You're going to fail a lot. <laughs> and that is okay. Uh, I had another pitch before straight, actually, that didn't get picked up. And, um, you know, I applied to many jobs before I was able to get into video games. And I had to pitch straight a lot, you know, for over six months before it got picked up. So don't give up, you know, like just keep going, keep going, do it because it's something that you love to do um, and do the best you can, you know, keep trying, keep getting better. And uh, eventually things will happen. But I think you need to be, you know, unstoppable, indestructible in a way and be able to understand that, hey, you fall down, you learn from it, you get up and you keep going. Today's guest is Declan Shalvey. Declan is a comic book artist and a writer. He's the co-creator of Injection and Savage Town for Image Comics. His other projects include Moon Knight, Deadpool, and All-Star Batman with writer Scott Snyder. More recently, he also wrote and drew the Nick Fury post-prologue serial for Marvel Comics and also Return of Wolverine. He also hosts his own podcast called Tape Deck. This always sounds trite, but it's like, just make comics. Just make them. And I'm sure it applies to, like, you know, if you want to write just write. I, I, I'm, I know that's been said a million times, but no one's just going to say, here's a job drawing comics. You've got to show you can do it. If you want to write them, it's the same thing. When you want to color them, it's the same thing. So you, you've just got to do the work. Um, I would say another thing, which I think is maybe a little bit more helpful or immediately helpful, is um, start small. The amount of times you talk to, like, say, a comic book, somebody who wants to write comics, this idea, they want to find an artist because they have an idea for this 300-page graphic novel. And this, you know, the first thing I say to people, I'm like, how about three pages? Why don't you do, why don't you write three pages and get somebody to draw that? Or if you're an artist, draw three pages. And it's a small enough task where you can finish a project and go, 
okay, and you can you can look back at that and be very objective about whether it's good or it's bad. If you take on a massive project, I guarantee you, by the time you're halfway through it, you're going to be jaded, pissed off, frustrated with it, and quit. So you will have spent two years on something that you don't, you didn't even finish. But if you can start small and build, it's like training. It's like if you wanted to be a, an athlete, you don't just run a marathon. You run a series of smaller ones and you build up a resistance and, and you build and build and build. So I would say start small, hit smaller targets and let, the, let them build up and, and, and build up your endurance. Today's guest is Tom Holler. Tom is an associate editor at Delray Books. So this is going to sound a little bit like a cop-out answer because it's not all that specific or actionable. <laughs> but this really is kind of the one big thing because this is the thing that when people tell me that they want to be an editor and what can I do? Uh, you know, What's my advice for them to be an editor? This is the thing I tell them and I think it works the same for writers, which is that getting into publishing as an editor and getting published traditionally as a writer is difficult. And can take a long time and can be hard. And there are always way more people who want to do it than people who will be able to do it. So there's always way more people who want to be editors than there are actual edit- editing jobs. And of course, there's way more people who want to be published authors than there are books that are going to be published. It's just just how things go. So the thing that I always tell people is, A, you have to just be aware that that grind is probably going to happen. Um, and so not to be discouraged the first, second, third, fifth, 10th, 20th time that, you know, it doesn't work for you or doesn't pay off or you get a rejection or you sort of, you get turned down for an opportunity because that's just the nature of the publishing beast. And the way to think about it is if you stop pursuing it, well, that's one less person who's pursuing it. That that's the moment that someone else who says, nope, I'm going to keep going or I'm going to, you know, you know, make a tweak or try something different or, or whatever, that's the moment that that person then kind of gets a step forward because there's one less person they're competing against. So uh, the other thing that I would tell writers specifically is, um, you know, don't just be like, okay, I'm quitting, quitting everything. I'm going to be a writer. And that's just it. Um, because uh, I know most writers and many writers who, in fact, writing is not their full-time job. Because making a living as a writer full-time with no other um, income streams, with no other um, jobs or careers, can be very challenging, particularly in starting out. The chances that you're going to get an advance of a crazy amount of money that lets you just do nothing but write all day is pretty low. And the number of writers who, who get to that point is is not that many. And it often takes many writers a long time to become essentially career authors where they can quit another job or put aside any other uh, jobs that they might have and just say, yep, all I do every day is write and get published. And, and, and that's what I do. So I think while that can be more challenging because it means that you're dividing your time between writing and doing everything else, it's a smart thing to do. Um, and it's something that you should really kind of go into your career as a writer and building your career as a writer thinking about that you're going to need some sort of thing to help augment you in terms of being able to help pay for your rent and pay for your food and pay to take care of you while you are working on becoming a writer. And that the first time that someone says, great, we want to buy your book, is not the time to walk into your other job and say, peace out, everyone, I quit, because that could end up being disastrous since there's no guarantees that you know, you're going to get published forever and ever and that your book is going to sell millions of copies and make you tons of money. So. That would probably be the the thing because I've definitely heard of some writers who like they get their first advance and they actually just quit their oh, job. Wow. And I've definitely sat around with some publishing friends and heard stories about that. And everyone who works in publishing just looks at each other like, oh my gosh, why would they do that? So don't do that. 
Today's guest is Rob Ackerman. Rob is a playwright whose plays include Tabletop, which won the 2001 Drama Desk Award for Best Ensemble Performance, Volley Girls, which won the New York Musical Theater Festival, Best in Fest, Call Me Waldo, Dropping Gumballs on Luke Wilson, directed by Teresa Rebeck and produced by Working Theater at Art New York Off-Broadway, and Loyalty, which has been optioned by Without a Net Productions to be produced at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. He has also been the property master for the Saturday Night Live film unit for over 25 years. Do you really want to do this? Do you love this with your whole heart? I mean, are you willing to fail and fail and fail? And I hope you are. I really, really hope you are because, first of all, you know, it, when you come to a big chasm jump, it's not that far to the other side. Just do the thing. Fail. Fall on your face. If you do it a bunch of times, you really get to like it. You get to be into it. And so I guess what I'm asking you, prospective writers, is um, please, you know, please keep trying. Please don't give up. And know what it's like when it's working. Get, get a sense. Listen, listen, listen. It's a matter of listening really hard. And you're willing to listen for years as you figure out um, how to do this. It, you got to really, you, you really do have to uh, have to wait it out. It takes a while unless unless you're like preternaturally gifted, which no one is, man. Not e- I mean, even Lin Manuel, it took him years and years in a basement before he was able to get to be the super famous, you know, Hamilton writing Lin Manuel. Are you willing to be that patient? And I hope, really, really hope that you are. It's the most, for me, the most important lesson of my life was patience. Today's guest is Murr from Impractical Jokers. Murr is also a best-selling writer and co-author of the novels Awakened and The Brink with Darren Wearmouth. You can see him on Impractical Jokers season eight every Thursday night on True TV, along with his friends, the comedy troupe Tenderloins. And his latest thriller, The Brink, is on sale now. I wish I knew in my 20s what I knew when I eventually got a job in development. But uh, which is that companies live or die on ideas. So all these imaginary barriers of entry for you that, oh, how do I get into pitch a co- production company of this, this, and this? Those are non-existent because they, they need your ideas. That's the first thing. I wish I understood that in my 20s. Second, there has to be an audience for your idea. If, if you write in a vacuum and have no idea whether it's a marketable, sellable idea, you know, I, I don't write uh, kind of highfalutin, you know, literary books. I, I, I write stuff that is exciting to read. I write stuff that is very, very, very marketable. Like it, it's just, it, you can't put the book down, you know? Not so much like Pulp Fiction, but it's, it's there. It's very in, immensely readable. The idea there is that it's a combination of stuff that's really compelling, that you, you're, you're creating stuff that's really compelling, but also it's volume of work too. In TV development, it's a numbers game. So, uh, you know, my first, uh, my first year in uh, running development for a TV company, my boss at the time would insist that I pitch 25 new television show ideas every Friday. So every week I'd create oh, wow. 25 new shows and pitch them. And the idea there is that your first thousand ideas suck. It's your thousand and one idea that's actually unique and different and novel. And that's the one you actually sell. The lesson there is that it's not just quality. It also is a, a numbers game. So like, why am I pushing so hard to sell lots of books? And then now we have five that they'll be coming out in the next, literally the next 18 months. The reason is it's not just the quality of the book and how exciting it is and engaging it is. It's also the quantity. You have to be, you have to become a force that is like, okay, this guy can create it. This girl can create it. They, they are creators. They are, they're marketable and their ideas are, are sellable. And, uh, and you know, it helps coming in with a package too. So you come in, not just like what I bring to the equation is, not just my development background, but I bring my my audience to the background to, to the to the table too, right? The Joker's 
fan base and that's real. So, you know, grow your fan base, create a lot of stuff, make it good and, uh, and start pitching it. Today's guest is Matthew Dodonna. Matthew is a nonfiction book editor at Day Street Books. He's also a writer with bylines in Uproxx, AM New York, Outside Magazine, Fast Company, and more. And he's also the co-host of the Kill Genre NYC series in New York City. It's trite, but just just write and try to get off talking about writing and talking about the industry and worrying about who you know. And I think there's a lot of noise on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and there's a lot of kind of posing that happens in the scene, the literary scene. And I think young people aspire to meet a lot of people and go to these parties and know these editors. But all of that is lost if you're just not writing your best stuff. And so I would say, you know, set aside time each day to write, not just say you're going to write, but actually do it and allow yourself to write bad stuff. Allow yourself to experiment in different forms, take on different voices. I think that's really important. Today's guests are Benji Samet and Dan Hernandez. Benji and Dan are the screenwriters of Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. They're also the writers and producers of One Day at a Time, The Tick, and other cult classics. It definitely sounds cliche, but the first thing that, that pops into my head is like, don't stop. Like, don't give up. So many people that I've seen along the way, like, you never know how long it's going to take to have that big break. And you never know what that big break is going to look like. No, there's no one path that can ever be copied uh, and, you know, recreated exactly the same. And so I've seen so many people that like, it doesn't happen to them the way it happens to someone else. And so they stop doing it and they find something else that's more comfortable like you sort of have to live in that discomfort for, for as long as it takes the people i've seen make it are the people like yeah they have talent but i wouldn't say necessarily everyone that i've seen make it is the most talented of everyone it's the people that stuck with it and like you know took those rejections learned from them kept going and you know decided that, no, there's nothing else I can do. You know, if you feel like there's something else that you could be doing instead, then it might not be the career for you. But if you have that attitude of just like, oh, no, I'm just going to keep doing this until I get what I want, uh, that'll suit you well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I, I tend to agree with that. And I, I think the thing that I have been thinking about lately is, I think the thing that separates people who are pretty good writers from people who I, I think are great writers um, and maybe some of the most successful writers is I, I really do think that you have to cultivate your love of storytelling and writing in a real way um, a lot. I think it is a bit of a cliche to say that writers hate writing. And I have never felt that way. I have never felt that way. I am actually, frankly, skeptical of people who do feel that way a little bit, not because it's easy. Of course, it's not easy. But I think that really learning to derive pleasure that, that you can from writing is going to make you have a better career and make you make more interesting product. I think that there are a lot of people who are very smart and very clever and who are, in fact, good writers, but maybe don't love telling stories and maybe don't really care that much about the impact that their work might have or, or 
the legacy that it could have and 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 maybe who wouldn't even be making creative work in a vacuum if left to themselves you know for me i wrote stories for many years that no one has ever read no one ever will read but i just there were certain ideas i just had to get out and had to express just to make to just to have the satisfaction of seeing them from nothing to something and if you can really learn to value the pleasure of going from something that's in your brain to something that's can be printed out and handed to someone and say hey i, I did this that's going to serve you really well rather than saying well i'm pretty funny so I should be a, a comedy writer, or I'm a journalist who who isn't making enough money doing journalism. So I'm going to transition into writing. I, I think that maybe there are people that embody what I'm talking about, but I think that there are a lot who don't, and I don't think that those people are going to be in it for the long haul. So I would say cultivate the passion for your work if you can, and if you can't, consider if you're actually passionate about it. Today's guest is Emily Settle. Emily is an associate editor at Swoon Reads and Fiewell and Friends, which are both imprints of Macmillan. Don't hold yourself to a timeline for success, if that makes sense. So I know we always hear about, you always hear about like the huge, like six, seven figure deals that a 20 year old has gotten for their fantasy trilogy or something like that. And, or you hear, you really, you, you hear more about like this, the really like meteoric successes and you hear a lot less about like really the quiet ones. And, but there's so many more of those. And I think a lot of writers feel feel pressure to, you know, get a book published, you know, before they have a family or before they're too busy with their job or before they're 30 or for whatever reason. It's different for everyone. But I got to tell you, I've, I've acquired books from an author who was 18 and I have acquired books from an author who didn't publish her first book until she was in her 60s. It's there's just no timeline for it. You can, you can write your entire life and, you know, your success will find you It's when it's right. It's not, it's not the same for everybody. Um, so that's, I would definitely want a writer to understand that, is that their, your story is different. Your life is different. It'll, your timeline does not have to match anyone else's. Today's guest is Kate Hart. Kate is a literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency, as well as a YA author herself. Fine a good critique partner or group and treasure them like gold your critique group your critique partner is your not only your sounding board for your work and you want ones that you continue to work with because they will get to know your voice and and your and your brand they will know you and they will know how you how your brain operates when you put together a manuscript and be able to help you know, keep you on track if your plot goes off in the wrong direction or the characters aren't working the way that they should. But they're also your cheerleaders when you're, you know, in a low spot or something didn't go the way you had hoped and sort of just your sounding board for everything. It's supposed to kind of airing dirty laundry on social media, which happens. Um, your critique group and your critique partner, that's, that's your sounding board so that everything, you know, you can keep more of a professional on the, in the social media in the fake, you know, outfacing world, but you have someone that you could pour your grievances into or listen when you need that. So that's my advice. Have a great, and a great critique group. Today's guest is Emily Robertson. Emily is an author. 
her YA debut, Lifestyles of Gods and Monsters, a retelling of the Greek myth of Theseus and the Minotaur with a reality TV show twist, launches this Tuesday, October 22nd. Don't be so scared. I wasted a lot of time not showing my work to people because I was worried about what they would say. And what I've realized is that, first of all, the 20-year-old me wasn't wrong. Like People would say, like, oh, the thing you've written is, you know, fluff or whatever they would say. Like the things that the people I was afraid to show work to would say, they would have said. But what I didn't understand is that just because the loudest voice in the room is saying something that's dismissive of your work, Number one, it doesn't mean that your work isn't worth something. And number two, it doesn't mean that there isn't someone else in the room that's going to say, oh, goodness, like this is incredible. This is exactly what I want. And so I was wasting a bunch of time worried about what a very specific kind of gatekeeper would say about me and my work without realizing that like, I don't actually care that much because that's not the person I wrote it for. Like the idea of identifying who's your target audience. If your target audience is people who love epic fantasy or rom-coms or whatever, you don't have to care what, you know, Mr. High Serious Literary Fiction or Miss High Serious Literary Fiction thinks of your work and you don't have to change it to meet that standard. And so I think really freeing myself up to let my, I think we let fear keep us from doing a lot of stuff. The fear that things are too strange or the fear that things are too, you know, someone won't like it. Those kinds of things like, yeah, someone won't like it. I guarantee there will be a whole bunch of people that don't like it. You're not writing for them. You're writing for the people that do like it. Today's guest is Catherine Ladone. Catherine is an associate editor at Simon & Schuster Books for young readers, as well as an author herself. Don't waste time. Um, (laughs) As an aspiring author, you could work forever on that one project and never actually pitch it. At some point, don't waste the time. If you put in the work, trust your work and just put it out there and let someone read it. And same for an editor, too, uh, or, you know, an editor rising through the ranks. Seize the day, seize every opportunity, because um, with each new project, you're going to get better and better at what you do. Today's guest is Graham Manson. Graham is the co-creator and executive producer of the acclaimed and award-winning television series Orphan Black and the showrunner for the upcoming Snowpiercer. Previously, he was a television writer for rent The Bridge, Flashpoint, and Being Erica, and co-wrote the film Cube. He's now developing the television show Whatever Linda... I would go back to something I touched on before, which is this sort of somewhat horrible dichotomy that writers have about, particularly screenwriters, about having to be solitary to get the work done and then having to be social to get the work appreciated or fed back on or made. So as early as possible, I would urge writers to not be precious with what they're writing, to show your shit, find that group of people who you trust and can laugh with about your struggles and uh, how bad things are in what you feel is, you know, when you have your, when you're feeling insecure about your own writing, feeling insecure about job prospects, 
find that community that feeds back and supports. Today's guest is Andrea Morrison. Andrea is a literary agent at Writer's House. Well, I think the biggest thing to remember is as you're going through this query process, we don't have jobs without you. I know that it can be intimidating to reach out to people who have represented books that you love. And I know that it can be daunting to reach out to names that you've seen. Um, But really, we are here because we love books. Really, everybody I know at our agency and in the business is really passionate about books and about this business and being here. And so I think the most important thing to remember is that we work for you and that we don't have jobs without you and your wonderful books. And so, you know, you should really feel comfortable reaching out to those dream agents that you have on your list because um, we're looking for new work. And I think, you know, that person that you're really wanting to query, I'm sure they're out there and also looking for new projects. And, you know, even if they're not, maybe they have somebody who they really have in mind for your work. And so I think, remember that we are really dependent on the work that you're doing. Today's guest is Jonathan Mayberry. Jonathan is a New York Times bestselling and five-time Bram Stoker award-winning author, producer, editor, comic book writer, playwright, and content creator for IDW, Marvel, and Dark Horse Comics, and the creator of V Wars, which premieres on Netflix on 12.5. He was named one of today's top 10 horror writers. His books have been sold to more than 40 countries, and he's also a writing teacher and a lecturer. Jonathan's newest novel, Rage, a Joe Ledger and Rogue Team international novel, the first in a new spinoff series from his original Joe Ledger novels, just launched. Don't be a jackass. (laughs) Ray Bradbury gave me the Ten Commandments on how to be a great writer. Told me this when I was 13. Commandment one is don't be a jackass. Commandment two is don't be a jackass. Commandment three. And it goes on and on from there. Writers, really good uh, advice for happiness, but also for professional success. Be one of the good guys out there. Don't just look for opportunities for yourself. Look for ways in which you can bring other people into the mix. Look for win-win situations. Because not only does that make you a happy guy, it also opens tons of doors of opportunity. People want to play with the happy kid. Even if all he brought to the playground is a a battered cardboard box, because it could become a fort, a spaceship, or anything you want. But if you're that broody, selfish kid with the expensive toy who doesn't want anyone to touch it, nobody's going to want to play. So be the kid people want to play with. Don't be a jackass. Second part of that, by the way, comes from the second part is fear. Be any part of your business plan. And a lot of people are fear motivated. I refuse to accept that fear is a useful part of any business plan. Today's guest is Gene Cavellos. Gene is a former senior editor, Phantom Doubleday Dell, and winner of the World Fantasy Award. A former NASA scientist and an author of several books, including the Science of Star Wars, The Science of the X-Files, and the best-selling Passing of the Technomages trilogy set in the Babylon 5 universe. She has been running and teaching the Odyssey workshop since 1996. I would say the writers who succeed are the ones who keep writing, no matter what, no matter how many rejections they get, no matter how many bad critiques they get, no matter how bad they themselves think they are, that they just keep going. They write every day that they don't give up, they send their work out, and they keep sending it out. And that's how you succeed. Today's guest is Marlo Berliner. Marlo is an associate agent at the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency and is also an award-winning Amazon number one best-selling author of the Ghost Chronicles series. 
definitely read current works in the genre you're writing in, read all you can, and never stop learning your craft. Today's guest is Hannah Khan. Hannah is a critically acclaimed Pakistani-American children's author of Amina's Voice, Power Forward, On Point, Bounce Back, It's Ramadan, Curious George, Golden Domes and Silver Lanterns, and The Night of the Moon. Her newest book, More to the Story, is a little women-inspired novel and takes on the concerns of a Muslim-Pakistani-American family in 2019, just launched in September through Simon & Schuster's Salam Reads imprint. I would say don't let your self-doubt cripple you. I know a friend of mine gave me this paperweight years ago, and it said something like, what would you achieve if you knew you couldn't fail? Or something, I'm paraphrasing it, it doesn't say, it was much more poetic than that. But basically, like, if you, you know, weren't afraid of failure, what might you achieve? And I think for me, for a long time, I doubted whether or not I, you know, I was grateful for the books I've published, but each time I published a book, especially one that was considered maybe more niche, I thought, okay, that was, that was great. You know, <laughs> like that was fun. And I always held on to my other career and was afraid to even call myself an author. I would just tell people I worked in public health and that I wrote children's books. And, you know, I wonder had I really believed in myself earlier or wasn't afraid of failing what I might've been able to achieve sooner. And I feel like a lot of people are just afraid to try and afraid of putting themselves out there and getting rejection, which, you know, we all know is part of it. And every writer hears about all the rejections that other authors have gotten. But I do think it's hard to just believe in yourself and silence that, you know, voice telling you that you're going to fail, but you're not going to know until you try. So you just have to push through and just do it. And especially if it's something you're passionate about and you've always wanted to do, which I, I meet so many people who tell me that, but then they don't actually do it. And I think just starting a writing group and just committing to a schedule and just meeting once a month and having something to share can be like a really great first step. Today's guest is Chris Sanchez. Chris is the senior editor at Mad Cave Studios. If you're writing for comics, do it because you love it. You know, it's not a bad thing to write for, say, I'm writing a comic to write for TV and, or write for film, or I'm writing this comic to turn into a film script. But genuinely love the form. And, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, read a lot of comics. Read, read not just comics as well. Be diverse in where you're getting your storytelling from, because you never know when that idea for a character is going to pop in, like, say, you're reading a novel or anything like that. Just, if you're in it, be in it to love it. Today's guest is L.L. McKinney. L is the author of the Nightmareverse books, an urban fantasy retelling of Alice in Wonderland, starring a black Alice, starting with the A Blade So Black trilogy, which is comprised of A Blade So Black, A Dream So Dark, and the upcoming A Crown So Cursed. She's also working on an upcoming graphic novel for DC, featuring Nubia, Wonder Woman's twin sister, and she's also an advocate for equality and inclusion in publishing and the creator of the hashtag WhatWSC Writers Here. Never give up, but understand that if you need to step away for a second, that is okay. Do not beat yourself up for it. Whether that second is an actual second, whether you have to walk away for a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple years, you know, life happens. And it doesn't really wait for us to decide, oh, I can pencil in this existential crisis and then we can do that over here because I've got nothing else going on. No, it's just going to do what it does, which is be lived, whether or not you're there for it, there for it as in I'm here for this, not literally there for it as in a live that got awkward. But anyway, 
being good to yourself about needing to step away if you need to, about coming back later on. It doesn't matter how long between the last time you wrote and the next time you write, you're still a writer. Own that. Be okay with owning that. Understand that you are doing this and your path is valid no matter where you are on it, whether you are plotting out what will be your first novel or you're where any of us are at any point, your path is valid. And find ways to take joy in the small things. Because again, I said there's a lot of no. So one of the things that I would do was whenever somebody said something nice about my writing, and in the beginning, it was, you know, emails from friends or text messages or whatever, I would write it down on little slips of paper and put it inside a jar. So whenever I was beating myself up about craft or, you know, anything, I could go pull stuff from that jar and be reminded of, you know, the good side of things. Take a moment to celebrate the small things. You completed it. Excellent. You did your revisions. Excellent. You're writing a query letter. Excellent. You're getting your first rejections. Excellent. All of this is to be celebrated because it means you are still going, which is the point. So don't get caught up in, oh, I don't have an agent yet, or, oh, I don't have a book deal yet, or, oh, I'm not on the New York Times bestseller, or, oh, I'm not part of a multi-movie franchise. Because like I just did with that, the, oh, I'm not just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So now you've this person who doesn't have a multi-movie franchise, but you've done all these other things. And for some reason, that doesn't feel like enough, which happens to all of us. I will admit that it happens to me. But so do take time to celebrate the small, quote unquote, small things. As somebody who threw a literal masquerade ball for her book release when just going to the local indie that I have and having cookies and punch would have been perfectly fine. I'm extra about wigs and shit. <laughs> Those wigs lit up like they had battery packs. <laughs> it's fine. You know, find a way that you want to celebrate and do it. Just, just do the thing. Today's guest is Erin Numata. Erin is Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. Read. If you want to compete in a certain genre, read the books that are doing well in that genre to see how they work. So many people I know are like wanting to be a writer, but they don't read anything. And I think that's a huge mistake. You have to read to learn and to compete. Today's guest is Vanessa Sheely. Vanessa is a critically acclaimed writer graphic novelist, playwright, screenwriter, actor, and creator of Things. She just recently completed her indie middle-grade sci-fi comic book, Corivine, about a nerdy girl living on the moon faced with extraordinary obstacles and adventures, which she co-wrote with Leah Levis. Corivine is available on Comixology now, and she's also just finished post-production on the short film Naked, which she wrote and co-directed. I would say for writers in a similar place in life, that I am, I would say, just um, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Don't really, really put blinders on in terms of like comparing your success to others and comparing your your journey to others. And just if you have to write, you have to write. And so, so do it. You have no choice. Just just keep writing. Today's guest is Lauren S. Hisrick. Lauren is the creator, executive producer, and showrunner of the Netflix original series The Witcher, based on the book series by Andrzej Sapkowski, which was recently reported as being the most in-demand TV show in the world. 
Previously, Lauren has written scripts for TV, including The West Wing and Justice, as well as written and produced shows such as Parenthood, Do No Harm, Private Practice, Daredevil, The Defenders, and The Umbrella Academy. I mean, the biggest piece of advice, and this is the thing that I always tell other writers that I meet with, people who haven't quite broken through yet, make sure that everyone knows what you want to do. I think this is especially true for women who are sort of generationally told to, to be seen and not heard. We get embarrassed about saying, hey, I have this big dream. I want to do this huge thing. And I know there's a really small chance that I'll make it, but like, that's what I want to do. And I tell all writers, men and women, like, make sure people know. Because if I know you want to be a writer, then I can look out for you. I can help support you. I can give you opportunities. I can give you advice. I could mentor you. I could offer to read your script or, you know, pass you along to a friend who is looking for an assistant who might, you know, that might be your way in the door. I think it's really about vocalization of dreams and not being scared to say what you want to do. Today's guest is Michael Tagayas. Michael is a New York Times bestselling author and the writer of his new middle grade nonfiction book, Into the Blizzard, which was an Amazon Best Book of the Month. Previously, Michael has written many true rescue stories, including A Storm Too Soon, The Finest Hours, which was a New York Times bestseller and was adapted into a Disney film, Falls Overboard, Fatal Forecast, and 10 Hours Until Dawn. He was most recently featured in the Metro West Daily News for finding success in reaching a new, younger audience. Persistence would be a a biggie. Um, As I said, The Finest Hours book, he turned me down the first time, the, the main character, Bernie Weber, but I was persistent. The other thing is I wouldn't take too much stock in rejections because on one book that I did, one rejection letter would say, we love the writing, but we don't like the story. And then the very next day I got a letter that said, great story, but we don't like your writing. And I just ripped them both up and I said, there's no consistency here. If I saw consistency where they all said, great writing, but we don't like the story, I'd move on to a different book topic. But I eventually got that book published. So I don't put too much stock into rejection letters, knowing that everybody's entitled to their own opinion and don't give up. You may have to get it out to 50, 60 different publishers or agents before you find the right match. And it might be that it hit that person on the right day. Now I I tend to try and target the books to a publisher that really seems interested in that type of story. But when I first started out, it was just get it out as, to as many as possible because, again, you're going to need some luck. Do they have an opening in their schedule? Uh, you may have a masterpiece on your hands, and they're turning it down just because they don't have an opening in your schedule. So persistence. Today's guest is Brian Birnbaum. Brian is the co-founder and executive editor at Dead Rabbits Books and the author of Emerald City, a novel. He grew up 30 minutes west of Camden Yards in Baltimore, where at four years old, he cried because the Yankees were losing. An MFA graduate of Sarah Lawrence College, his work has been published or is forthcoming in the Smart Set, Ecologist, Atticus Review, Slam Magazine, Political Animal, Lumina, and more. Brian is a child of deaf adults, CODA, and works in development for the family sign language interpreting business. He lives in Harlem with the writer M.K. Rainey and their dog. I would go back to what I said about writing. Uh, I mean, whatever you're doing, I, I would just say don't do it to attain some sort of material end. But you know, that's just me. I also think that that might work for some people. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my that's my main advice. It, you got to do it for the love of the game. Yeah. Today's guest is Lucy Alibar. 
Lucy is the writer of the new Amazon film Troop Zero, which was the first feature film from Amazon Studios to be released as streaming only on the Amazon Prime video service this January after previously premiering at the Sundance Film Festival in February 2019. Previously, she co-wrote the 2012 Academy Award-nominated film Beasts of the Southern Wild with Ben Zeitlin. I would say you find what you love. Like, don't push away the thing you love. If you're watching something, even if you're watching a TV show that everyone else says is stupid, but there's something about it that you love, watch that TV show where you look at try to figure out what it is you love about it, and then try to start writing, writing what you love, because that comes back to that's when you find your voice, and that's what nobody can take away from you, and that's what nobody can replace either. They can decide they want a different voice, and they want a different show, but nobody can, nobody can replace you. And I think that's the most important thing, and that also makes it the most satisfying thing, because there's just something so satisfying about writing in your own voice. Today's guest is Spencer Williams. Spencer is the creator, producer, and director of Walk the Night, a five-year-long, large-scale, sandbox, immersive series based on Shakespearean works. Previously, he worked on feature films and TV, including Castle on ABC, Hawthorne on TNT, and he wrote, produced, and starred in Milo Green's visual album for Warner Records. His current projects include Tales by Candlelight, a collaborative storytelling experience based in Scent that creates a candle, and the guest and the host make music, a recording experience literally anyone can participate in that creates a song. I would say, listen, um, my... uh my work, uh, I had a breakthrough when I stopped trying to um, to make and produce the pieces that I wanted and started to produce the pieces that I had. Um, I don't, you don't direct the play you want, you direct the play you have. But that had to do with um, looking at what was um, at what was around me and honoring and and um, and framing. And working with that, um, as as a writer, um, I'm a person who needs collaborators uh, to get out of my to get out of my own head and to make something that I don't feel is uh, the crude version of it is masturbatory. Um, so I, I would say, find a source, find something that you um, that you love that's outside of yourself, um, and and then find the way to honor, um, frame, uh, structure that, and pay attention to the things that um, that don't make sense to you, uh, because that's 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 what's gonna that's what pushes your work beyond making the same thing time and again, and it's what um, pushes you into uh, participating in what I was taught was the most important part of any artwork, which is uh, communication. Communion. Today's guest is Joe Pokaski. Joe is the creator, showrunner, and executive producer of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Previously, he served as the co-creator, showrunner, and executive producer of Underground alongside Misha Green and was a writer and executive story editor on Heroes. He also co-executive produced Daredevil and CSI. He's also written Heroes tie-in products and a number of comics for Marvel Comics, including the 2008 miniseries Secret Invasion and Humans and the last three issues of Ultimate Fantastic Four, which was part of the Ultimatum storyline. 
one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was be kind. There's a lot of times we get so wrapped up in telling our stories that things get heated. And all the people I want to work with again were always nice and were always kind. And it's a silly town. There's a lot of high stakes and a lot of people take things personally. But just be a nice person and people will remember that. Today's guest is Mark Wheeler. Mark is the CEO of Wheeler Company and a founding partner at Pathfinder Media, as well as a senior consultant for Aligned Pictures US. Mark specializes in entertainment management and production with an emphasis on building new creative businesses, client and IP management, as well as building and advising on independent co-productions. Pathfinder is a boutique entertainment management, production, financing, and consumer products firm based in Hollywood. Some of Pathfinder's projects and client projects have included Conan the Barbarian and the Robert E. Howard Library, Mad Men, Deadwood, The 100, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Blood Drive, and many more. And Align is a film financing company launched by Adrian Politowski and Nadia Kamlici in 2019. If it's in your heart to do, if you love the creation process, if you love writing, don't give up and don't die, and you will find that your work will be realized eventually. You know, think about if you're doing it to be famous, if you want to wake up having written and you like the idea of being a writer more than you actually like writing, then think again about whether you really want to do this or whether you should be doing something else that, you know, is more lucrative or easier or, you know, that you enjoy the process of more. I think you really have to, I believe that you really have to love what you do. If you have the freedom to choose what to do, you really have to love it. You really should love it. And if you do, you'll succeed eventually if you don't give up. Today's guest is Randall Lobb. Randall is a writer, director, producer, and nerdiculturalist. He has recently found success in the world of iconic pop culture documentaries. He takes a grounded and authentic approach to the story of brands that create euphoric recall for fans and also opens up new audiences. His film, Turtle Power, The Definitive History of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, was sold to Paramount and Nickelodeon. He has licensed his doc, The Power of Grayskull, A Definitive History of He-Man, to Netflix. And recently, he completed The Crystal Calls, Making the Dark Crystal for Netflix, and is currently working on a Baywatch documentary. You know that old truism that people say that is not true, right? What you know? I don't agree with that. I flip it around. Try to know everything. I think if you're a writer right now, I don't know if you know any comic book writers. I do not, really. I've met some. You find the ones who are the best, they know a lot. They read a lot. They know a lot. You read Ed Brubaker and you know, shit, Ed Brubaker isn't just writing a comic book. He's creating a world. Context and pattern. You have to bring all this material in together. I've never sold a feature. I was writing a feature at Disney and it was fraught with turmoil. The year that it happened was a crazy year. But what I learned through that is you have to have a very big, I don't know what you'd call it, a huge context behind you so that the writing, it may be the head of a pin, but you have this giant world behind you that you're drawing from. Same for the docs, same for everything. What you see on the page is this tiny, tiny little extrusion from this giant whatever it is, this universe, this mental world that you've created. So my thought would be for filmmakers and writers, just keep filling yourself, filling your brain, keep soaking it all up, be strategic, and think about all the things at the same time, and just let that come up. If you try to steer it too much, what you'll do is 
the checkbox interview. You'll do the checkbox movie. You'll just try to put the thing that you already know on the page or on the screen. And I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think you have to sort of be in a place of flow. We never talked about this, but our whole team are very much into flow. What does it feel like? Where is it? We have this giant resource. We've done all the work. We've done all the thinking. And now we're just letting something happen out of that giant amount of work. Today's guest is Julio Anta. Julio is a comic book writer based in New York City. His writing has been featured in the Eisner Award-winning magazine Panel X Panel. In addition to writing, he also runs the Native Sound, a DIY record label. Have something to say. Have a perspective. One of my pet peeves is, you know, kind of the incredible amount of shallow art that there is out there, whether it's, you know, movies that have nothing to say or books that have nothing to say. So I would say, you know, don't be precious, but write something that matters. Today's guest is Don Winslow. Don is a New York Times bestselling author of over 20 crime and mystery novels, including The Cartel, The Force, and The Border, as well as many short stories and film screenplays. Every one of his books has been sold to a major film studio or network. Some books two or three times, and several are in the works. His upcoming film and TV projects include the Cartel Trilogy, being adapted for a TV series by FX with Don, Shane Salerno, and Ridley Scott, executive producing, as well as The Force with Matt Damon, director James Mangold, and screenwriter Scott Frank, all attached. His new book, Broken, goes on sale on April 7th with its tour, which was set to begin on April 6th and included sold-out events at major cities across the country, from NYC to LA, uh, with major introductions by major authors like Lee Child, now canceled. Don has launched a virtual tour strategy. Yeah, again, this is going to sound glib, and I, I really don't mean it to, okay? I mean this very, very sincerely and seriously. Writers write. That's it. You know, I think... A lot of times writers will say, well, I have writer's block or, you know, it's not going well today. And I, and I think that what writer's block really is, is fear. It's fear of not doing it well. It's fear of failure. And what I would say is, don't be afraid of failure. I can guarantee you failure. I fail 30 times a day. I write more bad sentences than I write good sentences, you know? So... Failure is absolutely going to happen. And the thing of it is, is that if we let that stop us, then we fail permanently instead of temporarily. The other thing that I, I would say to writers is we hear a lot of no's. We get a lot of rejection. We hear a lot of no's. Please remember it only takes one yes. Today's guest is Gary Witta. Gary is a screenwriter, author, comic book writer, and video game writer. His works include Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Star Wars Rebels, The Book of Eli, After Earth, which he co-wrote with M. Night Shyamalan, Telltale Games, The Walking Dead, Marvel's The Last Jedi comic book adaptation, and Abomination, Gary's debut novel. Try to find a balance between art and commerce. I remember Alan Hughes always used to say, they said, movies, movies, are, movies are a conversation between art and commerce. And what he liked about Eli was that it was a piece of art but he was also commercial enough that he got to make it at a level where, you know, you can actually put big stars into it and make it at a level where it gets worldwide distribution and everyone sees it. Some movies are 100% commercial. The Transformers films, perhaps difficult to make a case for those films as art, but they're, they're easy to make a case for them as commerce. They make a fortune. 
But in that case, the, you know, the, the dial is probably set at like 95% art. So 95% commerce, 5% art. At the other end of the scale, you've got things like the lighthouse. I would say 95% art, 5% commerce. Uh, you know, the things that I try to write are somewhere in between. And because I, I, I don't want to just write cookie cutter bullshit, but nor do I want to write things that are only ever going to be seen by six people. And so you try to find a middle ground. So I ask myself every time I sit down to write something, is anyone going to be interested in watching this? And if I, and if I can't convince myself that there is, then I'm wasting, I'm wasting my time because I, I, I'm too old and I've been doing this for too long to waste my time spending six months on something that I might love, but it just, just does not have a realistic chance um, in the marketplace at all. But I will end that by saying this. If you, if you feel torn at the end of the day, always, always let art win. Again, with Eli, if I had decided that the commercial viability of Eli was just not, it just wasn't going to happen, I'm not on the phone with you right now. I'm not having this call. God knows what I'm doing. I probably don't have a screenwriting career. I took a, I took a shot on, on its artistic merits rather than its commercial viability. So try, just try and, find, try and find what works for you. But like, don't, don't just write commercial. Don't just write you know, movies because you think this is what people, oh, people like big fighting robots right now in the movies. I should go write one of those. If you do that, you're a hack. It's not coming from a true place. Right? It's got to come from within. It's got to be something you believe in. It's got to be something you love. If you love it, give yourself the best chance of actually making it something that people will watch. You know, ha- always have an eye on how this is going to be marketed, how this is going to be made. Like, what's the way that this movie can actually get made? Well, maybe it's low budget. Maybe it doesn't have to take a big swing. You know, I would advise you probably like the first time that's for the first script that you write. If you're thinking about like, what's the first script that I want to uh, try and break in with, don't do what I did and write the, the like what well, my first scripts are. They did incredibly expensive, big, you know, space battle type things. No, no one's going to make that. Uh, but if you can come up with like a really cool idea that has a good, a good high concepts and good characters, and it's like, wow, this is awesome, but isn't going to cost the world to make, then you might have something. So just, just continue. Always, always keep an eye on both the creative and the commercial. Uh, considerations and pros and cons of what it is you're writing. But when in doubt, always, always favor the art. Today's guests are Stephen Coughlin, J.D. Sanderson, and B.K. Bass. Hailing from the capital of the Great White North, Canada, Stephen Coughlin spends his days erecting buildings and his nights reveling in the dreamscape. Since 2017, he has produced a myriad of flash fiction short stories, novellas, and novels, including but not limited to the Genmos Saga, the Nobilis series, and has had his works read on podcasts and featured in anthologies. J.D. Sanderson lives with his wife, daughter, and mini poodle in South Dakota, a lifelong fan of science fiction. J.D. enjoys writing smaller-scale stories that ponder how people deal with both progress and adversity. J.D. is eagerly looking forward to the debut of Around the Dark Dial with Kai Knight Publishing. The short story collection is an ode to the 50s audio dramas he grew up loving as a child. And B.K. Bass is an author of science fiction, fantasy, and horror inspired by the pulp fiction magazines of the early 20th century and classic speculative fiction. He is a student of history with a particular focus on the ancient, classical, and medieval eras. He has a lifetime of experience with a specialization in business management and human relations and served in the U.S. Army. B.K. is also the acquisitions director for Kyanite Publishing and the editor-in-chief for the Kyanite Press Journal of Speculative Fiction. 
Together, Stephen, JD, and BK were all involved in the Remnants Collection, an anthology novel consisting of 14 tales of post-apocalyptic survival horror, with Stephen being its creator and a writer of the stories Resistance, A Final Longing, and Against the Darkness, JD being the writer of the story The First Swarm, and BK being the editor. Remnants is on sale now. I'm going to pass along the most important piece of advice for me that actually got me published, and it's you are not above good criticism. Just because you wrote something doesn't mean that it is the bomb, doesn't mean that it is the best out there. It might be the best for you, but you're only one person. Be willing to accept constructive criticism. It's something I struggle with today. It's something I struggled with for years. But if it hadn't been for constructive criticism, I wouldn't be able to take the edits I get back from the team. I wouldn't be able to take somebody saying, hey, Steve, I like this idea, but do you think you could change this? Because I've seen this done before. It hurts to do it. Take a deep breath when somebody gives you constructive criticism and then take it as constructive criticism. You can turn around and debate with it, but if they make a point that actually sticks in your head, roll with it. Most people are out there trying to help you. There's trolls, but they'll get found out more sooner than later. This is where the artsy side of JD comes out. I think it always is a lot of fun to try and do something you haven't seen done before. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that I'm you know, poo-pooing anyone who says, I want to write a fantasy book. I want to write a science fiction space opera. I want to write a romance novel or anything like that. What I mean is try and at least put an original spin on something. Something that, you know, is like, hey, I haven't seen or heard or read that before. Let's try that. And I think that when you when you purposely try to put your own original spin on something, you know, wonders can happen. I, you know, I wrote my first book. I tried to just purposely, if anything I wrote sounded like something I'd seen, heard, or read before, I threw it out. And I did the same thing with this. I mean, obviously, you know, there's only so many ways you can write a chase scene, but I wanted to just try and keep it as unique as possible. And, you know, there are a lot of, every author in this collection is worth your time. They're worth your time, they're worth your money, and they're worth your eyes reading it. They're fantastic. It's a great group that they've assembled here. And they all took something, you know, that we may have seen before, but they put their own spin on it. And that's why I think this collection is really special. You know, when it comes to writing short stories, it's a great way to experiment. And, you know, a lot of people dive in and go right into, I'm going to write a novel, and then I'm going to write another novel. I definitely recommend, you know, experiment. Try different genres, try different tones and themes, try different points of view, you know, first person, third person, switching from one point of view to another point of view instead of sticking with the same character the whole time. Or if you usually do switch, try sticking with the same character the whole time. Try new things. And short stories are a great way to try new things. It's a great way to build your brand by getting your name out there in different places faster than with writing novels. But from a artistic development standpoint, it's great practice and it's a great way to really find your voice because nobody can tell you how to write or this is the way you should do it. You, know, you see all that writing advice out there. My best advice is to experiment until you figure out what works for you. And short stories are a great way to do that. Today's guest is Michael Price. Michael is a writer and producer known for his Emmy and Writers Guild award-winning work on The Simpsons. Michael is also the executive producer and showrunner of Netflix's F is for Family, which he co-created with Bill Burr. He also served as a script consultant on the Simpsons movie and worked for Lucasfilm, writing and producing for the Lego Star Wars franchise, including Lego Star Wars The Padawan Menace. He was also a writer and co-executive producer of the ABC series Teacher's Pet, 
Other TV shows he has written for include What About Joan, The PJs, Teen Angel, Homeboys in Outer Space, The News, and One Minute to Air. When you're first starting out, try not to be picky or snobby or whatever about what you take, about what job you take. You know, just take whatever you can get that gets you close to anything involving the business. You know, because that show I worked on, Homeboys in Outer Space, if you Googled it right now, it would it would show up on a list of like everybody's Entertainment Weekly or whatever, anyone's list of uh, worst shows of all time. You know, and I think I'm fairly, but anyway, it was a silly little show and it was fun. I had a great time on it, you know, and it still gets used as a punchline sometimes. But without it, I never would have met Al Jean and Mike Reese. I would not be on The Simpsons, you know, so you don't know where where you're going to go, you know, so don't, don't turn down things. Like for instance, uh, there was a guy I knew, uh, who I met just through another way. And, um, so I was, he was a nice guy and, and, uh, he was eager to, to do stuff. And so he was like, do you think there's anything you could possibly do to help me out? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, maybe, you know? And so I said, well, you know, I might be able to could find you a job as a PA on the Simpsons because they're looking for PAs. And he was like, uh, you know, I think I'm looking for more something like a writer's assistant job. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, but, you know, I couldn't help him. And maybe he's doing great now. I don't know. But, you know, you've got to just take whatever you can. No one wants to be driving around town getting, you know, going, getting sandwiches for everybody. But, you know, and, and you know, Homeboys in Outer Space was not Cheers or anything like that. But it was a job that I needed a job at the time. and. And I was glad I got it. And I'm so glad that I ended up taking it, you know, but you never know where you're going to go. You never know what little seemingly insignificant thing will lead to something big down the road. Today's guest is David Marriott. David is an editor at IDW Publishing, where he edits a range of comic book titles, including Transformers, Sonic the Hedgehog, as well as others, including Kanto, which we had previously featured on this show. He's also a comic book writer himself and is currently co-writing Transformers versus the Terminator for IDW in Dark Horse. I'm going to pass on a piece of advice that was given to me early in my career. Actually, I guess a little bit before my career started. I was at San Diego Comic-Con and I was talking to Paul Levitz, who... uh, was at DC for many, many years as a writer, as an editor, as their editor-in-chief. And Paul told me, you know, as I was getting ready to go into college, not to go to college to learn how to write. You know, that's not necessarily something that's going to help me. If you have good ideas, you're going to have good ideas. And it's very difficult for someone to teach you how to have good ideas but instead go to college to learn you know about what interests you to better build those good ideas and enhance your storytelling and so i went to college for journalism and gender and women's studies and would not change a thing about that i don't think because they didn't teach me how to write necessarily but it gave me so much more information on what to write about so all told you know some writers here are not going to be going into school anytime soon but i think it's important that you not just focus on learning how to write properly you know not just learning format not just learning 
theoretically how to uh, have a good idea, but really, you know, spend time doing research, doing work on the things that you want to write about so that when you do write about them, you are informed and have some authority to what you're writing. And finally, as a special piece of advice, just for this 100th episode, we once asked Neil Gaiman on Twitter the very same question we always ask all of our guests. If you could choose one learning from your career to pass along to aspiring writers, what would you say? He replied, do the work. Most of writing is unglamorous, and persistence is probably more important for a writer than anything else. Words to live by. And that concludes our 100th episode. We know some of you have been here from the beginning, some of you more recent, but we appreciate and value each and every one of you. None of this would be possible without you. Thank you so much for your support. We're looking forward to the next 100 episodes, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.